Hello everyone, this is Isaac here with Gaming with Sidekicks, bringing you our Origins 2019 audio interviews. We had a chance to sit down with a variety of companies, a designer, and just kind of talk about the show, talk about what they were bringing, what games were hot, what uh, designs were looking like, and maybe a few fun surprises as well. A few notes about the podcast that you're about to listen to, the cast with North Star Games and Bruce uh, cuts in kind of right in the middle of our conversation. So I didn't get a chance to introduce them, but it's Bruce, it's North Star Games, and uh, we'll hear a, little about, hear a little bit about what they're bringing to the table. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you get over to our website at www.gamingwithsidekicks.com, you can see what we're doing with our articles, video reviews, and so much more. Also, please make sure you're following us on our social media pages, including our brand new page, which is Gaming with Sidekicks Board Game Community, over at Facebook, which is a group. We'll be doing some giveaways there and uh, just having some good general conversation about board games and what uh, what your daily gaming and favorites. And I think just this last week, we had a question asking what, uh, what game is your most played in 2019 so far. So come check us out over there. And uh, here we go with some interviews from Origins 2019. Enjoy. exactly how I feel about it. So the Matt was us sitting in the office and saying like, let's make the coolest thing we can. And every idea we just said, yes, yes and. <laughs> never stop, never say no. Well, let's make it the size of a table. Yeah, and? Well, let's make it double-sided. Yeah, and? Well, let's make the cards gigantic. Sounds awesome. Uh, how about we make it an expansion? How about we do that? So with that, what we found was, was it's a little pricier than most people wanted to spend on it, and it's bigger and hard to ship. Yeah, right. So, but we think that a lot of the ideas in that game are solid and great and are great improvements on Wits and Wagers. So we kept them. In this version, with the smaller mat, it's a reasonable mat. Uh, what I also like is we doubled down on the Vegas look of things. So all of the cards now look like casino playing cards. Uh, the backs are kind of fun, but and the fronts are cool. We changed the Sorry We're Closed to be kind of neon-y. So we thought that was super cool. The chips now look like they came out of a casino. Yeah, you've never been. Well, I mean, that would make sense. Um, I, I have to be honest, I don't even know what your frame of reference would be. Uh, take a look, look up casino chip, or you know what? They look like that. There you go. Frame they look reference. like this. Yeah. Say it again? Well, yeah, casino chip would not say Wits and Wagers on yes. it. 100% correct. Um, so we also have the questions, there are maybe 35 questions that were in the other game, the rest of them are brand new. Uh, this will be coming to Target, it's going to be at Target and Gen Con at the same time. So if you did the thing last year with, um, what was it, Villainous, where like you could buy Villainous at the Target and then bring it to Gen Con with you, and then like make fun of your friends because they couldn't get a copy because they were sold out, you're like, well maybe you should have gone to the Target. You can do that this time with this one. Um, it'll be coming out, so it'll be that first week of August. But if you like Wits and Wagers, this is the new Wits and Wagers. Uh, welcome, thank you, we hope you stay around. If you have the giant mat, just play with the giant mat. Like, sure. you know, this is great if you have friends and family that play the giant mat, and then you're like, but no, the giant mat is however much the mat is now. Right. Uh, and they're like, oh my god, no. <laughs> you can say like, no, 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 there's one at Target, it's neon you'll love it. Okay? Uh, I'll throw that there. Next game, Dirty Pig. This is the next game in our Happy Planet line, uh, just like uh, Monster Match, just like Happy Salmon. Uh, this is the next one. It was Drexel in Germany, and we brought it here. I'm going to kind of show you what I call the magic trick. 
which is the explanation of how this game works. So, there are pigs. They are clean. They are real unhappy about it. They take a look. Those are sad guys. If you flip them over, they're dirty pigs. They're real happy about that. Okay, so that's very simple to do. You play a card, dirty pig, make a pig dirty. Bam, that just happened. Uh, you win the game by getting all of your pigs dirty. So as a farmer, you may want to clean somebody else's pig. The most efficient way to do that is to just use a rainstorm that cleans all the pigs. Pigs hate this. So they figured out that if they go in the barn while they're dirty, the rain can't get to them. Unfortunately, a farmer can still go in there and clean them. Pigs hate that. So what they have figured out how to do is just real basic a home improvement and engineering. So they have figured out how to bolt a door onto the front of the barn. Sure. And if they do that, I can't get in there. We have learned a moment ago, not only am I an agrarian, I am also a weather wizard because I could make the rain happen. Uh, so if they do that, what I can do is, is I can take a lightning bolt and set their barn on fire. Oh, if I do that, it doesn't matter, the whole barn burns down. The pigs, knowing that I am a weather wizard, have continued their work in home improvement and engineering and have managed to build a lightning rod to stop me. So if a pig is in a barn with a door and a uh, lightning rod, they are safe for the whole game. But that's not how you win. You just have to get the pigs dirty. So it's a mix of, I dirty your pig, I'm gonna clean yours, I'm gonna put a barn, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna set your barn on fire, I'm gonna put, and that's what the whole, the whole game runs. It takes about maybe 10 minutes max to play, sure. plays up to six people. Comes in a neoprene pig, I don't know what more you want. So everybody has their own pigs. Everybody has their own pigs. I just did this for what I like to call the magic trick, which is showing how the game works. But yeah, everybody has their own set of three to four pigs. It depends on how many people are playing. If you play two players or three players, you have four pigs. Anymore, you have three pigs. But that's the whole game right there. So that is that literally is premiered at this show. That's awesome. Yep. So let's see. We have that. We have that. Let's go to Quacks of Quidlinburg. You already know it's in the expansion. Let's go to our next game. <laughs> Uh, are y'all aware of, and then this is going to be just, the, the English version where everybody else can find it is going to be at Gen Con. Okay. And it's, nothing's changed from what you have. It, it adds the overflow, it adds the fifth player, it adds the witches. Um, we took English and made English out of it, which we felt we really needed to do. But outside of that, it's the, you already know how it works. You might have even talked about it for all I know. I hope you did. I hope when you do, you tell people it comes out at Gen Con, that would be wonderful. Uh, final thing we have is Oceans. Do you know any of the, you said you play the Evolution app. Yeah, I've seen, I've been following the art. Uh, oh, the, the art is bonkers. Yeah, is. So I'm gonna show you a little bit of it. Um, and what we can do is if you decide this is the thing you want, is I can just put you on the reviewer list for it. You send me a, a physical mailing address and we'll just get one out to you. Sure. Um, this is all work in progress. So you're gonna have to pardon kinda yep. how all of that is, but this gives you an idea. Yeah, part of my board is falling apart. Somebody looked at it hard. <laughs> Uh, we promise that the pieces in the final game will actually have a place to live, and they won't just be wrapped in shrink wrap. So essentially, in the base game of evolution that's on the land, terrestrial evolution, um, you anti cards, that puts food in the middle, and everybody fights for the food in the middle. That's not really the way the ecosystems work in the water. When we talked to an oceanographer, they were like, yeah, at the, at the shoreline, things are, get kind of similar, but then everybody kind of goes off into their opposite sides, and it gets very different where they are. So in this game, uh, Anybody can attack anyone. So it's no longer about like, I need this certain card and bluffing, am I gonna attack you or not? This game is about the riddle of, how do I feed eight species when only one species is allowed to eat? Okay. And you do that, we have two sets of cards. One is the surface. 
for the surface, this is exactly what you expect in an evolution game. It is 11 or 12 traits, I don't remember which. No, you feel free, you can pop one more. Pick any one you want, no, <laughs> one more. There you go, enjoy. Now, there we go. Did I come with the game because I might be the sailboat? I understand. <laughs> I, oh, I wish. Uh, so these bounce in the head of a pin, they are, they can do a tournament, they are fine, they are great, they're always gonna work, they're mathematically perfect. Um, but what we've learned is, is people who are playing games now really kind of want like a hundred weird cards that each do something a little bit different. So that's why we made a thing called the Deep. So I'm going to show you first the Surface. And the Surface, all of the art's by Catherine Hamilton, the same person who did all of the art for all of the other Evolution games. But it's things like Symbiotic. So if the one to my uh, left gets to eat, I get to eat. So I start building my engine. If I have hay, if the one to my right gets to eat, so I might put one in the middle that eats to feed the ones to my left and right. right. And that is part of how I solve this riddle. Right. Um, everything can always either forage from the reef or attack somebody else. Um, the thing about this that's different than uh, terrestrial evolution is if I attack you and I wipe your species out, I take you off the board immediately. And I go like, haha, oh, you're dead. Okay. In this game, all of the reckoning doesn't come till the end of your own turn. So if you wipe me out, I get one more chance to solve that riddle. So it's not immediately... It's not immediately... So there's actually more like take that in as much that I literally take that, yeah. but there's less of it actually hurting you. Right. So you get more of the feeling of kind of doing a little bit of damage, okay. but less of the hurt feelings of, you wiped my whole board out, what am I supposed to do? Why didn't you do that to him? You knew he was winning. Like, there's none of that going on here. It is just, it's just working on that riddle. Um, everybody can attack or everybody can forge unless you're saying like a filter feeder because then you're specialized to just like slurp up random things. You're not ready to attack anybody. Um, the same way if you have the mix of the, the shark, the orca whale, and Mike Tyson only wants to kill people. He does not want to eat and he has nothing to do with any of this uh, foraging garbage. And it's all a bunch of traits that interact with each other to make this web of traits to make the ecosystem. Once you're done with that, there's a certain point in the game uh, where you can start playing cards in the deep. And the deep is where it gets just freaky, just weird, just strange. This is everything that is in the known world and a lot of things that may never be in the known world and some things we hope people eventually learn may exist. So there are some things that are just bigger versions of cards you've seen like Schooling or Whale Cleaner. But then there's like Gigantic Scavenger and that's a water bear. There's the Gargantuan. Here's the Levine. I know, right? <laughs> they can't die. You can send them to space and they can't die. They're in the game. So you can't literally send this thing into space, it's fake. But a real water bear you can send into space and they can't die. Uh, there's a lot of cartoons all about it. The Oatmeal did a cartoon about the about the uh, water bear. They also did one about the crazy shrimp with the, like, the blades that heats up the water and murders everything around it. One of these cards has that. There's 100 cards, I don't know where it is. There's the Kraken, so you literally can release the Kraken. All of these are unique? Every single card is unique. Now, some of them are like a better version of one of the basic traits, but yeah. Like, there's Draconic. Hey, you just made a dragonfish. It probably breathes a water fire. You know, Wait, like, what? that's the kind... I know, I know, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know. We, that this is what we're trying with this one. We've never really done this. In this series, we always kind of kept very scientific. And I mean, we've been featured in the Journal of Science, the Journal of Nature, the Wall Street Journal. There's a copy in the Oxford Teaching Library. We decided this time with the deep to do something different. We got pack hunting, there's just defensive spines. Hey, just jam a guy in the eye with a spine. There's just tiny, like just real, real little. Hey, why not? It's just tiny. Uh, we got parasites, which is like a super parasite. 
Um, we have a couple that are like some of the most ridiculous cards I've seen us make, and I really like that we have a sense of humor now. But we have one just called Sparkles. You're just a fish with sparkles, and the art is like a dolphin corn, where it's a unicorn horn on a dolphin. And the, the say it again. So like, when you look at it, it doesn't look like a narwhal. It looks like a dolphin corn. I feel very secure when I say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're right. That is a narwhal. You're 100%. I will bet good money it's a dolphin corn. Yeah. <laughs> and a dolphin corn is what it looks like. This one. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's got little, I think it has little wings. It looks like it was made by the same artist that did everything for, like, the Powerpuff Girls. We also have one called Go Fish that has some kind of weird, like, Go Fish thing where you make people land your cards. But it looks like dogs playing poker, but our fish from the base set. So it's like the tentacled guy, which, let me find him, because he's just a fun piece of art. Where are you, tentacled dude? There we go. Yeah. So it's like the tentacled guy is reaching under the table and has like a six of clubs, and like angry Mike Tyson shark is like in the middle of the table. It's a really neat card. But that's the kind of stuff that we're doing with the weird like stuff that's happening in the deep. Cool. Yeah, so the game plays uh, two to four players. Takes about one to two hours. For us, it probably is the chunkiest of all the games that we've made. But a lot of that sits on the fact that there's a deck of 100 cards to do whatever they want that are sitting in there. And you said release for this is? Uh, I'm going to say Q4 because my best people have told me, don't worry, Bruce, it'll be out in October. So that tells me I'm going to tell you, don't worry, folks, it'll be out by February 2020. Sure. Um, but I'm going to guess Q4 probably sounds about right. This was kickstarted. Right? This was kickstarted. As a matter of fact, we had a three-quarter of a million-dollar Kickstarter, yeah. which for us is revolutionary. It was, it was a really big success. Yeah, it was a huge success. People love the art, and they love it. Like, quite frankly, Dominic, the guy who makes these, and he's also the guy he designed Wits and Wagers. He worked on Say Anything, which is another one of ours. He did Evolution. Um, Evolution was originally a Russian game. Dom played it and was like, I bet I can take this game and make an actual game out of it and not like a scientific uh, recreation. Okay. So that's what he did. Um, yeah, for this one, people were like, good, Dom, we know you can make a game. Awesome. You've now made something with a lot of cool art and a lot of variability, and a lot, and that's how we've kind of ended up here. So it was very successful. People are very interested in it, which we're happy to see. Uh, there's also kind of a neat thing. These little boxes of fish start to empty, and when they empty, they trigger new things that will happen. So population explosion. Each defensive trait just gains two. Now if you play on defense, you can gain food from the outside of the game. And these will... Uh, another thing that your cards do is here is what's called the migration number. It's just a number with like little waves. Sure. You can move fish from one box to another. So not only are you playing feed my fish, hurt you guys, I'm also moving fish from one part of the ocean to the other and kind of controlling the area here. So in a very small rule set that's pretty easy to explain, there is a lot going on. Yes, and there's a possibility the school of fish can't be attacked because as, as a water fire breather, I can't even see anything there. I just see a cloud. So there's a possibility that the school of fish can protect itself because it's a school of fish. Say it again? Indeed. But it might be that I'm afraid, even though I can breathe water fire, that cloud is so big, I can't tell it's individual fish. It looks like one giant fish. I agree with you, but they're fish, man. We can expect just so much of them. They're not very, they're not very there's Some of them, like, there's some that are highly intelligent and probably, for all I know, use tools 
I haven't looked dolphin through. There corn. might be a like, a, yeah, there might be a dolphin corn, or there might just be like an octopus that eats with a fork and knife. I don't know. There could be one in there. We did some weird stuff. I mean, what's going to happen is, is the guy who made the game is going to hear this and go like, yeah, I, yeah, like a fish tank. yeah, fish tank, I think is what we need to do. <laughs> that was so much better than it had any right to be. I feel like you're yeah, good work. Good work. I wasn't, I was so thoroughly unprepared for that. Thank you. Uh, we also did a neat thing. It's a double fronted box. So we have that front and then I'm just going to put this on so I don't break anything inside. We have the deep version that's going to be on the other side. And this is, I mean, it'll be shinier and glossier, but this is what it will look like. All of the important details are going to be on the bottom and top. So it's going to be a double fronted. Yep. So also going to be like a Target? No, God, no. Uh, this is definitely a hobby play. This will, it was kickstarted. Okay. It will then go to all your hobby channels, so your friendly local game stores will have it. Well, I mean, honestly, with the app, I mean, you've seen some big exposure to Evolution. We, we have. So what you're going to see is, is Evolution is in a limited amount of Target stores now, because Target saw the app and said, yeah, let's put it in some Target stores. Okay. Um, we fear that this might be one step more complex. So well, this is the heaviest in the series. Sure. Um, it's still... Dominic cares very deeply about having simple rule sets. His whole philosophy is, I don't want to, I don't want my game playing experience to be learning a rule book. Sure. You know, like if you look at a game like Rudy, it's a great game, but it's like, let me spend 20 minutes and teach you how to play. And then let me spend 20 minutes to teach you how to play a different game at the same time. Right. Let me take 20 more minutes. His thought is, make a three minute explanation and then make all of the thinking out here in the board where things happen. And he cares deeply about that philosophy. I mean, that's what you see in Evolution. It's a very simple rule set, but once you get into it, you're like, am I going to bluff with the six? Am I going to throw a card out to pretend that I'm going to become a carnivore? Am I going to... There's all these decisions to be made, but they're not in the rule set. They're in the actual cards themselves. Awesome. Yep. So then there is that. And then I got one more if you got time. Yeah, please. Okay. Happy Salmon version No. Happy Salmon's got its versions and its fans. It's... It's pretty solid, unless you, unless you consider Funky Chicken version 3. Funky Chicken is superior. You think Happy Funky Salmon. Chicken is superior to Happy Salmon? Yes. You know what? Thank you. I should probably hire you. Because you're the person <laughs> that really would would strongly sit behind that. I'm, you got it. We like them all. Yeah, but I, I think that's where some of these games are meant for. I mean, I then that's 30, what you need to do. I could make 30 pig techno barn expansion where they, where they give their barn, like, a net launcher to stop the farmers. So here's the key, is there's a very thin line between complex enough to be funny and so complex no one cares anymore. I think Dirty Pig is right on that line. When I hit you with, and then they made lightning rods, you're like, that's cute. <laughs> if I give you one more thing, you're like, why? Why did you do it? Uh, this is Wolfgang Warsh's next big box game. Um, this is the German version, obviously. We're going to call it the Taverns of Tiffenfall. Um, and I know you're thinking, Bruce, rolls right off the tongue. Makes logical sense to me. Uh, it was Die Tavernim im Tiefenfall in German. And when we did all tests, people were like, just leave it as close as you can so we know what it is. Um, in this one, you have a really neat UI UX where all your stuff that's in your bar kind of slots into place here. So let me grab this. Let me... Sit. We're just going to sit that there. I hope that doesn't throw you off too badly. Nope. This is a mix of a deck building game 
and a dice drafting game. Uh, there is your barrel house, essentially. Here is... There's your vaults. There is your house brew. Uh, there is your brewer. Here is your dishwasher. There is your puppy dog that eventually will be unseated by your server. There is just like a real drunken monk. And there is a cash box. So at its heart, it's a deck building game. You start the game, you have a small deck of cards that contain people that want to drink slash eat at your place of business and stuff. You have a couple of things in there. There are two currencies. There's money. You use money to buy more stuff and things and to upgrade your bar. There's also beer. You use beer to get more people to come to your bar. Every round begins with kind of putting out the cards. That's a server, so it's going to get me an extra die. That is a person at a table. When all the tables are filled up, I'm done. I get an extra table. Lucky me. I get more people, I get more people, I get more people, and I'm done. Um, obviously, if I had more cards that played other places, they would all get to go and be played out. Uh, the server tells me I get to roll one die of my own color, and I'll have a five. I take the other four white dice, I roll them, I put them on the coaster, I get to pick one, and I move on. Deciding where to put your dice works like this. Up here in the top, a one gets you a dollar, two gets you two dollars. Dollars, once again, are used to upgrade the bar and to get you more stuff in people. Over here is the barrel house. That's going to let you keep extra beer. Beer, once again, is how you get people to actually come to your bar. Down here, I can use ones and sixes to get the brewer to bring me beer. There's also a card that's a bar back who brings, bar, brings um, beer from your basement up. He gives you extra beer as well. You can put any die, one die on there, and that'll just get you a beer, once again, to help you get people. He's just there. He plays in other versions of the game. Over here, I have a vault. The vault will help me hold up to $2. Uh, here I have a dishwasher. If I have a dishwasher, he will uh, add one pip to any die on the board. If I come over here, if I have a server, a server will give me plus one die. Uh, the cash box, any die will give me a dollar. And over here, I put a five on that, and the monk will help me on the monastery track, which is kind of another way to get bonuses and advantages. Okay? As the game goes on, there are certain people I want in my restaurant that are called nobles. Uh, nobles are worth 10 points apiece, and they always sit together. So when I'm drawing up at the top here, if a noble comes in, that's only going to eat one table. More people are just going to join them that are nobles. Every time I upgrade a part of the bar, I spend the money, and then I get to physically upgrade that part of the bar. So, like, up here at the tables, I physically do that, and I have more tables. Runs like that for eight rounds. So I do my deck building part, roll my dice, draft the dice I want to go on the places I want them to go on, decide whether I'm going to spend money to buy things or beer to get people, and do that balance through the whole game. And then decide, make my decisions of maybe I don't want the dog anymore, I want to spend $12 and have a permanent server so that every round I get an extra die. And it's just building that engine through deck building and through dice placement. Place two to four people would be coming out in Q4. So we can take this one with us, right? This looks fantastic, man. This, this looks amazing. Isn't it high business? Unfortunately, this is the only one we have in the country. <laughs> this looks outstanding. You could get a I might, I might, from across. I, I might. I might have to have it now. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. Uh, this guy, you're not big. I could throw him into a half-decent game. Like, don't worry. Q4, they're here, and you don't have to spend triple the face value. February, February 2020. Uh, I, no, no. Actually, Q4 I think for this one is definitely on point because okay. we we literally just did. So we got their English rules, 
And we spent, God, probably 40 or 50 hours making them English so that people could understand them. Uh, we, and we've sent them off to, the, to their warehouses and their factories. They're making them as we speak. That um, great. Yeah. It yeah, is I mean, a super play, cool game. I play a lot of games with my kids, but when I get together with the guys, like, man, this looks like a game that we could play any night with with the group. Does this have an event release, or is it just going to be wide release when you're able to... Wide release when we're able to... Yeah. Like, I'm saying Q4, it might even be earlier. They're saying to me, like, now they think it might be faster, and we're just, as soon as we get it, we're going to put it out. Okay. Um, I keep saying if you need to tie it to events, it'll probably be, like, BGG Fall or PAX Unplugged. I know we'll have it at PAX Unplugged, but we're not holding it for an event. As yeah. soon as we get it, we're putting it out. Awesome. Yep. Four players? Yep, four players. Uh, we don't know if they have plans to expand or not. We're just not sure. Right now, we know it's four players. Yep. Isn't it cool? Yeah. I, I, I love that like, players are going to have this opportunity to manipulate their own board and flip those things and upgrade them and then, and then get the stuff and it's right here, right in front of me. Yep. I don't have to like... What is that card? What's that upgrade? Like, it's right here. Yep. Like, now, there are some cards where you have to do that. Sure. But, you know, it's... A, and the, there's such such a satisfying feeling being like, oh, I think I'm going to improve the house ale. And then there are four expansions that come in the box. So, like, one of them, this guy flips over, and you have a separate game you can play where you have bards that can come to your bar, and the bards will help this guy, and he'll get more bonuses. And then you get schnapps that you can feed entertainers. So you get them drunk, and they'll do things for you. And then there's one that's got a guest book where it almost plays like bingo, where like you get little guest checks with little signatures when people come into your bar, and you put them on this little board and try to like make the correct horizontal and vertical rows. Awesome. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of the, the flipped... Blackboard, yep. where you advance your track at the bottom and then get you stuff here at the end. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get my hand out of the way. All right, I wanted that. Did you want the hand in the way? Yeah, I did. Okay, well, I can... I got it. Okay. We'll make a deal. Now, whatever you need, whatever I can do to help you make your media, please. No, this looks really good. This is yeah. amazing. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. This is, this is automatic. Yeah. And honestly, like, and probably title and box cover wouldn't have been enough for me to draw this in so yeah. knowing what it does yeah yeah i agree same, yeah same with me that's funny because i saw it and i was like mm. let me see that one. you were like you were like that looks real german that looks like real german and something i'm gonna have to buy from a distant country you saw the schmidt you knew it's time to buy it on amazon d <laughs> awesome but yeah so there, there's kind of our product roadmap for the next, probably till about the end of the year. Okay. We've got more stuff coming after that. We Our next Kickstarter, which will be next year, will probably be Super Wits and Wagers, which is going to be, we're making a superhero version where you play as superhero teams, where you're both kind of going for the MacGuffin. But each person on your team, you work as a team together, but like we also have powers that change things. So like one of them is a supervillain called the Crusher. It's a goldfish bowl in a mech suit. And wherever his answer is, if he's willing to bet on his own answer, he can just punch an answer either way out of the game. And he's like, oh, that one doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're talking about my son, just that little bit extra. Yep. And there's like, far. yep, there's like, there's the flash, essentially like, I call it the flash and people like glare at me because we don't have the flash. But it's, it's somebody that looks an awful lot like the flash sure. that can jump to an answer to the left or right. So if they're correct, or the left or the right is correct, they're gonna score. Superhero themed questions or No, general? so we tried it. Here's what I've learned, is if I say to you, hey man, I'm gonna write wits and wagers questions in your brand of geek, you're like, that's awesome. If I tell you, hey, 
I'm going to write them in somebody else's brand of geek. You're like, hey, how about that? <laughs> and you learn, like, we, we actually had a version. This came from a version we called Epic Geek. And Epic Geek, you were like zombies or superheroes and you had powers. And then we'd ask these questions. Like me, I have a weapons-grade hatred of Lord of the Rings. Just can't do it. So if you would ask me some real stupid question about like just some minutia of Lord of the Rings, I would flip the table. Like there was one I love Back to the Future. The question the game had was, what was the cost of a gallon of gas in the 2009 Back to the Future world in Back to the Future 2? And I was like, as a person who loves that movie, and I just took my chip and threw it across the room. <laughs> And I was like, that's an unreasonable... I was like, that's not even estimatable. Like, I don't know. I don't know how the writers in the 1997 thought 2016 was going to look. Forget this. And that's kind of what we found the problem was. Was there will be more superhero questions than there would be in a normal wits and wagers. Sure. But you can't do it all it's heavy so on that stuff. Sure. They have to still be general or you can't like... The thing that makes Wits and Wagers great is you can play it with almost anyone you come in contact with, yep. unless I write all of the questions about superheroes. And then you're like, I've never even heard of Polka Dot Man. I don't know how many Polka Dots Polka Dot Man has. I guess a lot. You know, like, it just... In his 1973 debut, how many Polka Dots were visible in his costume? Exactly. And you're like, first of all, who's Polka Dot Man? And you're like, well, then we're already done. Yeah. We're clearly not going to get married, Sarah. <laughs> you know, so it's just a whole... All right, we are back here at Origins Game Fair. We have moved out of the very loud hall and uh, gotten a little quieter spot, so hopefully you'll be able to hear us a little better for this one. Uh, we're with Calliope Games here. We're going to talk with Chris about some new games coming his way. Uh, so uh, let's start with that. So first off, how is Origins going for you so far, sir? Origins is fantastic. We're, uh, we're excited to have uh, three new titles that people are playing, and uh, it's really encouraging because we've had people walking up to our booth at the beginning of each day saying, heard about this game Ship Shape. I heard about this Spymaster game. I want to take a look at this. So it's really nice. And these are games that literally just hit the shores uh, three days ago. And then we overnighted some games from our warehouse in Knoxville here yesterday. So we've only got a handful of them on, on hand. And uh, so it's it's great to have people kind of, uh, you know, clamoring to see what these things are all about. Yeah, absolutely. So how about Ship Shape? That's the one... Obviously, you've had some interest in that. Yep, yeah, ship shape. Came over in the ship. Yeah, so. <laughs> it, it was it was ship shape on the ship. Um, that's uh, Rob Davio's entry in our Titan series of gaming, which was the one that brought together a bunch of great designers, and we asked them to to design games in the Calliope mold, which is uh, gateway level, you know, filler games, things that are a little bit easier to to play. Uh, maybe for either people who don't play a lot of games or for people who just want something as a palate cleanser between you know different gaming you know heavier games. Mm -hmm. So. Shipshape is interesting. Um, obviously, I can't. I, I can describe it, but it really, it really helps to actually get your get your hands on it. It's a a, a bidding game that has a, spa, a spatial reasoning uh, kind of a element to it. What you're trying to do is you're trying to cover holds of a ship, and you have a stack of crates that you can use to do that. And the crates are all. Uh, three by three grid, but they have certain areas that are cut out, okay. and there's values on each crate that are gold, um, cannons, and contraband. And so what you're going to do is there's going to be a stack of these on the table, and you're going to use your crew cards that you have, one through ten. Everyone's got an identical set of these. You're going to each simultaneously bid face down and then reveal your cards. Okay. Whoever has the highest card gets the top crate. 
next highest gets the next one and so on and so forth. And then what you're going to do is you're going to cover up what's on your hold by rotating and flipping the crate that you get. And the values are the same on both sides, but there are all these punch out areas in each crate. Sure. What you're looking to do is cover up the rats that are showing on your hold. And then over the course of three bids, you're going to get three different um, crates to put on. And then uh, let's say we do this kind of thing. So then what you're going to do, everyone's going to compare their values. You're going to get your full value of any gold that's showing minus any rats that you still see. You're also going to get, uh, for your cannons, whoever has the lowest amount of cannons did a terrible job of bringing weapons across the sea. So they're going to get nothing. Everyone else is going to get their value minus that lowest value at the table. Okay. So in, in, in this case, maybe I had six cannons and the lowest had three. I'm only going to get three coins for that. And then you're going to look at contraband. The contraband is purple barrels and who knows what you're shipping over here. But whoever has the highest contraband gets busted by the authorities, gets nothing. Everybody else gets their full value of contraband. So you want to be in a nice, comfortable second place of contraband. Okay. So you'll compare, you'll get, you'll get coins for that. Then you'll clear this off and you'll start another voyage, which is another round of three bids. You'll do that three times. Whoever has the most coins at the end of the game is the winner. And it's so you, you got some puzzle quality to it. You know, yeah. you can kind of peer down into the stack. What I didn't mention was the values on each of these crates adds up to eight. So when you're looking down in the stack, certain areas will be covered, but you can kind of kind of suss out a little bit. Well, this gold is four and it's zero contraband, which means the cannon has to be four, and I can kind of see where it might be. So you, you have to sort of think about it. So you can play this without really paying attention to that. Sure. But if you've got a crowd that really likes to look into that kind of stuff and, and kind of crane their neck and look through the crate, it's really kind of fun to do. So um, ship shape is great. It's simultaneous play. Everyone's bidding at the same time. Everyone's taking at the same time. You're all scoring at the same time. So it's about a 20-minute game, 15, 20-minute game every single time. Uh, and it plays two to six players. So supports a, a big player count. Um, and then one of your things with, with your games in general, we talked about this last year, is you like them ready to go out of the box. Yes. Right. And this looks like, so these are all punched out, they're ready to go. Yeah, and if you notice, these are not these are not just punch board. Yeah. There's actually a foam core to these, and, but it's, it's a really polished. This is actually the material that when you have those old 3D puzzles that you'd put yeah. together, it has that kind of thing. So it's printed on the edge, but it's got the foam. So it has a different kind of a, a heft, a different weight than you're used to when you're when you're handling this kind of stuff. But yes, absolutely, everything's punched out. The coins, these, I mean, there's 54 different things like this. We didn't want people to spend an hour and a half punching these things out before they got to play. Well, I appreciate that as a gamer. Like, And, and I, I ran that when, uh, when we got Mansky Caper. Yes. And opened it up, and I said, guys, we're ready to go. Like, everything's here, it's organized, it's yeah. done. Like, I love that. Like. And a lot of people don't appreciate that, I don't think, but the next time they play it, right? But as gamers, like, oh, man. We always care about presentation. Yeah, you know, a lot of games, a you take thing. the stuff out of the box, you don't think about it. If you look at this, um, no one listening will, will see this, but when you take the things out of here, the inside of the box, there's a, there's a, a hole, the hold is in there, and it's yeah. all nicely protected. So just those extras, it, right? it looks like the inside of a ship when you take the stuff out. Because we just, we want to pull you in with the theme with the story, the presentation. We want you to really feel like you're part of the game. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we take a lot of pride in that. So this is the next one in the Titan series. Is there is there anything else down the pike from, from that series coming? Well, this is Ship Shape. This one is out in July. Okay. In August, we have a game called Everyone Loves a Parade. Okay. Uh, this is by Mike Mulvihill, who's been a uh, big force behind the scenes in our industry for a long time. He, he was uh, part of... WizKids, Hero Clicks. Okay. Uh, he's part of FASA. He's done a lot of different things. Um, 
So Mike designed a game that is all about creating uh, floats for a parade in your hometown. So when you play the game, you have um, crowd cards laid out. Um, so you have uh, crowd cards laid out on the table, and they each of the crowd cards wants different things. There's different colors. There's red, yellow, blue. There's also elements, balloons, um, flags, and flowers. So you put some dice out that show what the crowd wants based on what's pre-printed on the cards. Okay. And then there's a warehouse of decorations, which is five cards face up in a line. And what you're going to do is you're going to, each, each turn, you're going to take one of those cards from the warehouse that shows balloons, flowers, flags, and it has those colors that match those dice that were on the cards. You're going to take it and then you can optionally perform the effect that's at the bottom of the card. And that might be re-rolling dice or moving dice to different cards, doing, you know, manipulating the crowd basically. So not only are you taking the, de the decorations to gussy up your chassis, but you're also manipulating what the crowd wants. And the crowd is the judge. At the end of the round, once everyone's taken three cards, you will go through some secret order cards that you got at the beginning of the round to show what order you're all going to put your floats in the parade. And then you're going to compare the different elements in your cards to what that crowd card wanted to see. Okay. And then you'll get points based on if I've got a red flag card. Did that crowd want red? Did they want flags? If I got both, I'm going to get the points for that card twice. If I only matched one, I'll get those points once. So you have to be really careful. When, the, when you have the order cards, if you have the number one in the order card, that means you're going to place first. So you know you're going to get the one that you're setting up. But if you're number eight, which is the last one in the order, then you better make sure that you split those dice up a little bit so that you know whichever one you end up with, because you're only going to have one choice. It better be something that's pretty good. And the cool thing about those order cards is the higher they go, the better the special ability they have when you reveal them. So with one, you just get to place first, but with eight, you get to draw a card from the top of the warehouse, and you get to roll a die and add it to the, okay. the crowd card that's remaining. Yes. So it's a, it's a quick playing card game. Um, it, it goes over three rounds. At the end, whoever has the most points becomes the Grand Marshal, and they win the game. So it's, it's you know, just like all of our games, beautiful little game. Um, when you're done with the game, you have all these little float meeples or... Leeples, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> and you'll have them all laid out on the crowd cards in the middle of the table going across like a parade. That's awesome. It's just kind of it's something that uh, every time the game ends, people pull out their phone and start taking pictures because they're like, okay, that's really cute. So is this, this is out now? This one comes out in August. August. So we're, what we're doing with the Titan series this year, we've got the Ship Shape coming out next month in July. Everyone Loves a Parade comes out in August. Okay. And then the last game in, in uh, the Titan series for this year is Spymaster by Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson did double double dominoes for us, um, okay. and uh, good good friend of Calliope for a long time. Um, Spymaster is a game of amassing intelligence and using that intelligence to maneuver agents across a map of the world, and then accomplish missions. So it uses a I split you choose mechanic. So whoever's the spymaster for the round, what they're going to do is they're going to take a pile of intelligence cards and they're going to lay it all out face up in the exact order it comes up. And then they're going to separate it and divvy it into a number of stacks equal to the number of players. And it's all visible. So now starting with the next player to the left of the spymaster, they get first choice. Then the next player gets it going around until it gets back to the spymaster who divvied it up. They're going to get the last choice. So they want to make sure that when they divvy it, they do it in a way that they're not leaving one as a terrible, terrible sure. pile, or you know that's where they're going to end up. The other thing the Spymaster will have done 
when they divvy the cards, they put a Spy Master card right on top of one of the piles. Whoever takes that one becomes the Spy Master in the next round. Okay. And that could be a good or bad thing, because you could do it to divvy them, but you're going to get the last choice. Sure. So then once you have the cards that you chose from the divvy, uh, on your turn, you can burn one of your intelligence cards in order to maneuver agents around the board. You have agents, um, little meeple agents that are in your color, and you also have ones that are clear. Those are freelance agents. Anyone can maneuver those anywhere they want. So if I throw down, let's say, a, a two, I can move one of my agents and I can move one of the clear agents, and I'm trying to get them into the right position that matches the city on a mission card okay. with the, with the uh, combination of my agents and freelance agents. And then I need to spend intelligence cards equal to what's shown at the bottom of the mission in order to claim it. And I'll get the points for that. I'll put it face down on my mission board. And then uh, after five rounds of divvying up, using your mission cards to do your intelligence cards to get different missions, whoever has the most points in missions and uh, the highest value of each intelligence type left in hand becomes the winner. And what I find, this is the part I really like. In the fifth round when you do the divvy, there's the Spy Master card that gets placed, so someone's going to take the pile that has the Spy Master. If there's a tie at the end of the game for points, whoever chose the Spy Master card wins the tie, even if they weren't one of the tied players. Oh, wow. Which means, if you know you're really far down, you're like, man, I, these are these other two, I think they're really, really close in points, but I'm so far behind. If you take the Spy Master and they end up tying, you just pulled like a great spy move, and you became the winner of the That's game. Awesome. So you push him into a tie. That's okay. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So yeah, Spy Master is one that um, what we're finding is a lot of gamers are really they're enjoying it because it provides that kind of thinkiness, that chunkiness of you know making a lot of really cool sure. decisions, but it's not so deep that it takes two and a half, three hours to play. So this is a really good medium weight game that you know, I've, my eight-year-old son who's back home. He handily beats me at this because he sees things I don't. So it's a game that families can play, but gamers have, at the end of the game, gamers look up and they're like, man, I really like that. So I, I'm happy with Spy Master because I think it, it, even more than a lot of the games that we have, it really speaks to like the heavier gamers a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, in our thing, in our study has always been the games are like the people we love. We put a lot of focus on games to play with the family, not just family games, right? right. And, and most, if not all, of your line fits that. Like, we have young kids, we can get them to the table, right? Like, what we always say is um, we make games for adults that kids can step up and play. You know, a lot of times, grown-ups have to step down into the world of kids' games, and that's where the grown-ups start to roll their eyes and go, oh, i got to play this again. But if you... If you kind of let the kids step up into a grown-up game, that's not, you know, going to break anyone's brain. It's just they're stepping up and trying something and competing against mom and dad, and you're respecting the kid by saying, "You got to think a little bit to play this thing." They appreciate it. The parents appreciate it, and suddenly you got a game that that you want to hit the table more often. Versus a lot of kids' games out there where it's like, "Okay, you got to really twist my arm to make me want to play this thing," but I know it makes the kid happy, so I'm going to do it. That's what Ancestry, Manson Caper, Dicey Peaks, I mean, those, those are in our rotation. Yeah, the kids I, love them. I have, and I'm not disparaging any of this, I, I have at home everything from Haba, you know, through all the different types of games, and my kids love to play that stuff. But every time that I give them the choice and say, what do you want to play? And they're like, I want to play Mansky Caper. Yeah. You know, I want to play Suro. It makes me really happy, not just because it's my you know, company, <laughs> but also because I'm like, those are, those are gamer games, you know? Yep. you know and, and do I love to sit 
out and play Haba games with my five-year-old? Absolutely. That's so much fun because she just loves it. But it's nice when they start to make the choice to play games that are, are these types of gateway games. It makes me really, really happy. So. Yeah, a lot of the Calliope games, they'll find a way to you know, be able to introduce new mechanics to the kids that are stepping up into yes. these games. Um, my oldest son, he's six, and it's exciting to see that light bulb go off in his head where he's like, oh, games can be like this, too. Yes. Where the first time we played Suro, it was like that. Like, he was he was used to some card games or some roll-and-move games, and he wasn't quite sure, like, how this map worked, but as soon as like two turns into it, you could see that light bulb go off, yes. and it was it was so exciting to see in him, and he had a blast. Um, and yeah, that's something that we really enjoy that that your games bring to the table. We we are big on that, and that with the Titan series, we're really happy. You know, Spy Master has the I split you choose mechanic. You know, um, Menu Masters had a a, a really um, worker placement element to it that kind of teaches that kind of thing. So yeah, there's there's a lot of um, um, thought put into that. What What is this going to teach a new gamer that will open their mind and their eyes to something that exists in our in our world of gaming that maybe we've taken for granted or gotten used to, but to somebody else seeing it for the first time, they're like, oh, wow, that's, that's I didn't know games could do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so Suru, Phoenix Rising is the, the on, on, in the future coming game, right? So, Absolutely. Uh, how does it differentiate from the Suru that everybody knows and loves? Well, it's, um, it, what we've done for the most part is uh, we wanted to make sure that this one felt different from the others. You know, Suro was a game of, um, of, of skill, you know, and, and Suro the Seas threw some luck into that with the dice and the Daikaiju. Um, this one has set collection because what you're playing as is phoenixes that are moving across a board, which the board is made up of plastic trays that allow you to actually flip and rotate tiles um, so that you can change your path. And the tray is, is made in such a way that when you rotate a tile or you adjust a tile, it will not mess around with any of the ones around it. So the tray, it's a patented tray. We did it just, just for this reason. You fly your phoenixes around in an effort to try to get to these paper lanterns that are glowing on the board in specific places. When you reach them, you transform them into stars. And you collect those, and the first person to create seven new stars, a new constellation, becomes the winner of the game. So you're not only moving and creating paths and doing the Suro-type things that you usually would in the game, but you're also aiming for specific things on the board and trying to um, collect the set that you need. The other thing that's interesting is the number one rule in Suro is don't leave the board. I mean, that's how you, you're out of the game, right? Player elimination. So in this one, because you're a phoenix, everybody actually starts with a life token that resembles ashes. Okay. If you leave the board on your next turn, you can spend your life token to pick a spot and come back onto the board once per game. <laughs> because you got to rise from those ashes. I mean, that's what phoenixes that's are all awesome. about. So, um, yeah, we... we uh, we wanted to approach this differently. We wanted the game to stand out and be its own thing. We didn't want to just rehash Suro in any way, shape, or form. So this has the foundations of Suro, um, but it also has some really cool new elements going on that didn't exist before. So when do we? When's the ex expectation that we can see this? Uh, We're looking at September there? for the release of this okay. um, everywhere. It's it's in production right now and. We're working with the factory. We've got, I mean, we've got some beautiful prototype bits that are yeah. here, or not even prototype. These are production bits. We're just working with them on a, a couple little color things and just sure. making sure that um, that they're they're up to all the standards that we need them to be at. And uh, we just, the last thing we want to do is rush anything. So as much as we'd love to be like, you know, hit the gas, let's get this thing to Gen Con. We want to make sure that uh, 
that they're ready to go. Yeah, that they're ready to go. Oh, they look really good. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So, so um, yeah, that, that gives uh, obviously a big, big look at, at what you guys have coming as a convention. Uh, how's how's Origins been so far? It's good. This is actually the first year since I've been with the company, it's been uh, several years now, that we don't have our own dedicated booth. Right. Um, this year we decided to try something a little bit different. So we do have a table here at booth 823. Um, but we, we're kind of doing things a little bit more casual this year, doing sure. meetings that we're, you know, just trying out. You know, we, but we, Gen Con will be back to the regular. We'll have tables, we'll have people, you know, sitting down and playing full games. So we, uh, you know, you just got to change things up from time to time. Sure. And, and Origins, we just felt like, okay, we always do Origins and Gen Con. We do them pretty much the same way. Let's try... Let's try the formula a little bit differently with one, and we figured Gen Con's probably not the one that want to mess with too much. Origins, I, I love the energy of Origins. I love, there's a lot of players, there's a lot of that, so we figured we could capture the energy a little bit differently in Origins. So, and we're loving it. It's, it's, been a, it's been a fun show for us, other than Ken Franklin, the designer of Mansky, taking a tumble out on High Street, being all messed up today, but he's a trooper. Yikes. His Apple Watch exploded basically when he hit the ground, so that was no good. But uh, but he's Ken, he's, he's the best. And we're so excited because Mansky Capers nominated for Family Game of the Year for 2018. So he's here, and there's a rumor that Al Mansky himself is going to show up for the awards ceremony awesome. and maybe even have a whole entourage of very colorful zoot suited and and suit wearing and flapper dress wearing characters. That, that is quite a so, rumor. That is, I, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, I've heard. I, I can't. I can. I can neither confirm nor deny. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, congratulations on that because that. I mean, that that's a game that I've enjoyed introducing to a lot of different people. Right. It's it's, it's fun. It's chaotic at times, but it's it, it, with, a, with a good group of people, man, it just, it gets to be that, oh yeah, you're going to do that to me, we'll watch what we got coming. It's a real experience, in a, you know, in a box. I mean, it's it, it's a game for sure, but it's also just, I mean, you just you just enjoy the experience, and we find more often than not that when the game is over, whether or not you win or lose, you just had a really good time. And, and it, we actually find it hilarious when someone has like 100 points, and then I finish and I have like 22 and I'm like, that means that I messed something up along the way. <laughs> or I messed with everybody else. Exactly. You know, I had a good time playing this thing. That's awesome. Well, Chris, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck for the rest of the con and, you know, moving into the con season as we're in here. So, Thank you very much. Yeah, have a great show. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. All right, guys, we are back here. We are over at Plan B booth, which we'll be back to in a little bit here to talk to Mike Young. But right now, we're here to talk to Emerson, and we want to uh, kind of talk about Century. We have the Century New World, New Edition, and we've got a few other things coming down the pike for him. So myself and Randy are here to uh, kind of talk through those games with him. Century has been kind of the hot thing going on here. Uh, I believe it might be near sold out, but uh, we're going to talk to Emerson about that here and introduce him here. So Emerson, how's it going, sir? It's doing great. So can I talk about Century New World? Uh, how's sure. the response been so far? Uh, it's, been, sure. it's been overwhelmingly good since uh, we sold out. Oh, did you? Yes. Awesome. awesome. We, we sold out this morning. after last year. Right? Yeah. Year yeah. Before, so. Although we did bring more than we did last year, it's so still, it's so still sold out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so can I talk about from the trilogy perspective, uh, yep. for, we're familiar with uh, with the first two, we're mm -hmm. familiar with kind of what that built, uh, what is New World bring that's different? Okay, it's, uh, well, the first game was a hand management game or a hand building game. The second game was more of a pick up and deliver game. Uh, this third one is a worker placement game. Okay. So it uses a lot of the, some 
all the interesting tropes of worker placement where you could bump workers out of a location. Uh, and also introduces some engine building, as in, as you collect cars, the spots that you go to can get more and more, bene or more, and more beneficial, more efficient, yes. and so forth. Uh, but we still keep the rules very same, so on your turn, you're only placing workers or recalling all your workers back, and we call that resting. And that's it, so it's just two actions that you can possibly take on your turn. I know, we talked to you last year, you talked about how much you really like the, the two-page rule set. Correct, yes. Keep it simple, is this another two-page rule set? Yes, technically, we the core game of Century New World is a two-page, just a single sheet with double sides. Although I believe the font's getting a little bit smaller. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a one page, but it's a 24 by 24. Right, right. Now, that being said, I believe that there's actually five sheets in the, the game because we have a sheet for each of the different combination games okay. and also like a reference sheet to reference it, uh, the information for each of the games. Okay. So three games that gives us a combination of... So total comes... So... No, no. <laughs> well, it's close. It's seven, seven total. Okay. Okay. Because you have one, two, three. Then you have one and two, one and three, two and three, one, two and three. Got it. Okay. So, so you've gotten this kind of a how to mix it all together. Correct. Yes. Um, from from a designer perspective, obviously they're your children. You love them all. But do you have a favorite combination of, of them? Actually, I do tend to like all three of them put together. Smash them all. Yeah, smash them, smash them all together. And then closely behind that is three and two and one and two. So I like those combinations. Um, designing this from a, obviously this has been multiple years of releases, mm -hmm. did you envision it all together? Was it individual games that just kind of started media? What was the original like vision for you? Oh, actually, I, when I started, I only had Spice Road as a, as a standalone game. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be a standalone game by itself, you know, alone in the world. Uh, but it was actually Plan B's idea to expand it out into a trilogy. And they wanted to have, they wanted to do something unique where each game would be a different game, uh, but they asked me if it's possible to make them uh, combine together. And it was a really innovative idea. And at that time, I wasn't sure if I could actually do it or not. So, but, uh, but ever since we, we made that announcement, I've been working on, actually, I've been working simultaneously on Century 2 and Century 3 at the same time. Okay. Oh, in, in fact, this was a necessity because it, in order to make Century 2, I needed to know how Century 3 would integrate with sure. it. So it was, uh, it was, you know, like you said, it's a multi-year process of doing that. And that's got to be great for you as a designer, for a company to say, hey, we have this idea. Can you do it? Like, that, that challenge is that it has to be great. It is. It is. It's, it's incredibly flattering. At the same time, it's also nerve-wracking, too, uh, because I was told that we have a strict deadline, and this is, our, this is going to be our release schedule. We must adhere to that release schedule, okay. because it was already committed to all the foreign partners and, and on distribution, and you know, they already had a set schedule, so I had to deliver within those times. So that was the, that was the part that was quite a bit of pressure to be able to deliver on that. So. Well, it's interesting is I think we see games with expansions galore, mm -hmm. right? yes. and people look for that expansion, but you guys did something different than, I mean, I can't think of another game system where, where it was like this. Correct, where it was yeah. like we're waiting for the sequel to the movie. Right, right. We're right, waiting yeah. for Empire Strikes Back, we're waiting for the next movie. Right, right. Like, yeah. And not just like, oh, here's a modification of Catan, and there's 50 versions of that. Right, right, right like, yeah. So yeah. I, mean, I love that. So is it going to be go back to Star Wars, is it a standalone, or are we going to see episode one, two, and three? Is there going to be Century, other trilogy that smashes <laughs> together with this? I've been asked if I was going to do a fourth game, and I have to remind them, if I do a fourth game, that means I need to make the fourth game by itself, I need to make it combined with one, 
Uh, so I'll need four and one, four and two, four and three, four and one and two, four one and three, and then four one two. Three. So there'll be another seven combinations. So it's like it starts to get exponentially more and more difficult. And the real big challenge is that uh, not only do I have to do a whole development cycle of the base game itself, but I have to do a, a full development cycle for each of the combinations. And making a change in one echoes to all the combinations. So it's a CCG kind of model, almost. Right, right, yeah. That's why. It's the power creep of the life. Right, right. So you have to then do it in blocks. So like, I think Magic got it right in that you do blocks of three. So I think three is sort of the magic number because the the, the number of combinations and iterations seem to be a manageable portion. Once you start to go past that, the the. the Complexity curve, it just becomes so exponential, it's just not feasible anymore. Yeah. Um, kind of looking at some other things you have coming up, we, uh, we're a big, uh, our family, we play a lot of spot drops. Oh, as okay, far as awesome. hidden movement games, that's my top hidden movement game. Oh, thank it. you. My son is ridiculous. I don't know if you sat down and played that one, if you think or seen him play that. I've seen him play. He gets so into that game. He's always got to be the, the hidden movement guy. Oh, yeah. And he that's, loves the chase. Yeah. Right? And, and so I love that game. I'm kind of kind of wondering with uh, Metal Gear Solid coming out. Yes. Is there any type of correlation? Because Metal Gear Solid just seems to scream like that type of world. Right. Right. Yes. And it's interesting that I think a lot of people are expecting there, there to be a lot of Spectre Ops mechanics right. in Metal Gear Solid. And what I could say is that in Metal Gear there is. The, I guess the mechanics that are carried over is some of the line of sight. So I try to simplify to just rows and columns for the most part. Okay. Uh, and then in the open area, it's just all the spaces in front of a figure. So I try to simplify it. So that is common between Spectrops and Metal Gear Solid. Uh, the combat, it's it's still dice-based, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more simplified in Metal Gear because I believe it's going to be appealing to a broader market where not everyone might, might not be like a sophisticated gamer. Or a hobbyist. Video gamers the correct, game correct. Video correct. But other than that, I think that's where the similarities sort of. End. Oh, I guess there's equipment cards. Okay. Uh, so there, that's probably. Boxes, although the, the, the box. Uh, is there a cardboard box? Yes. Absolutely. It wouldn't be a Metal Gear Solid game that's without so that, awesome. right? <laughs> I mean, but you're so, speaking to like gamers, like board gamers that yeah. play like that, like we play that stuff, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Games, like I, I love. But I can get that to the table and say like, hey, like, oh, I totally remember being, you know, X years old and yes. around in a box on a right, 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 exactly, exactly. But uh, Spectre Ops was a one versus many game, so this one is actually fully cooperative. So there is actually no hidden person, there's no hidden movement involved. But we did try to recreate the stealth aspect from the video game. Okay. Yeah. So what's your, kind of, how do you get that out to the video game audience? Like, what does that look like? Like, do you guys, obviously, at a, at a con like this, you yeah. get some crossover. Yeah. But do you guys bring that to, like, a video game convention, video game type of audience? Yeah, I, I imagine so. Yeah. I imagine so. Is it, is it too loud on this side? Okay. Well, I, I like the background noise. I think it, it, it lends to the fact that, yes, we're at a con. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, that, so that's the next thing. What, kind of what's on the agenda for you? Metal Gear, is anything else coming? Okay, well, Metal Gear is, uh, I believe that the expected release date is going to be in December. Okay. So it's pretty far out there. Uh, I believe the next thing that's going to be announced, and uh, uh, I can speak about this because it's already been uh, spoken about on other podcasts, uh, that I'll have a city building game with Arcane Wonders uh, that'll be announced, I believe, at Gen Con, okay. that they're going to announce it. And this will actually be my first Kickstarter, or first game okay. that I'll have on Kickstarter. 
So, and it's definitely a new area. Like I've never done anything with Kickstarter other than back projects. Like I'm, sure. I'm an avid Kickstarter backer, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I've never been like a so um, simulation building as in like what's the oh city building. So oh, city building. yeah, okay. so it's going to be a city building game where you're using plastic pieces and building a city that hopefully by the by the time that the game is done, it'll look like a fully built city. Yeah. So, and I think the reason for the Kickstarter is because it's going to have plastic miniatures. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from a, kind of a, I know you have uh, you have a couple kids at home, right? Yeah, I have three kids. Okay. So what? How, and and Randy and I both uh, like to think that you know we can design some games, and he's got a little more cred with that than I do. <laughs> but um, you know, we both have kids at home. How much do the kids play a part in the design process in your house? So, oh. Or even play testing, or like. Actually, I haven't introduced them to the, the playtesting. Uh, the reason is that uh, my kids are they're at a great place where they want to play sure. games. And I'm always afraid that if I get them to playtest, it'll start to feel like work, right? So, okay. yeah. I can see that. So, and also, like, the games that I have, my kids are just getting old enough to where they can start to appreciate some of my simpler games, like Century Spice Road. They're sure. starting to appreciate that. Sure. Uh, but some of the things, like Spec Drops, might be a little bit, it has a lot of card interaction, so it might okay. be a little bit overwhelming for yeah. them. That's fair. So, and I've, I feel fortunate that, you know, they're always seeking out games, so if I ever present, like, hey, let's play some games, they're always excited about that. So I want to I wanna preserve that as much as possible. Yeah, so, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I try not to, I, like, I don't want to overburden them with uh, playtesting anything just yet. age range? What are you... Oh, it's uh, 10, 9, and... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, 10, 9, and 6. My my middle daughter just turned 9. So they're... But they're about two years apart each. So, I mean, so they're getting, like you said, a game where they can sit down, they can follow multi-rules. Yes, yeah. Follow yeah. through, but like you said, you don't want to overwhelm them. They're like, hey, Dad's got a six hours worth of testing, guys. Right, right, yes. Seat at the table. Yes, yeah. So, so I, always get, I always let the kids pick the games, so... Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So, what's, so what's the popular family game right now here? Oh, God. Okay, so they love Ice Cool, uh, Doodle Rush, King of Tokyo, uh, what's it, uh, Cookie, oh, it's a, it's a yellow game, Cookie something. Oh, I know that one. Oh, me, it's a, I'm sorry, it's called Me Want Cookies. Uh, that one, oh, uh, there's another one which may not be, it may not have the most appropriate title, but it is uh, Not So Fast. It's a family-friendly game, but the title has a bit of an innuendo. So, but my kids don't know that. Won't ever mention it to them. Have you played that one? We, we I've, I've heard, I've seen it, but I, I guess the title has kind of kept me away from bringing it to the table. Yeah, we it is. With that one yeah, house. it's okay. a. I actually take, I do house rules some of those things. Sure. Uh, but I mean, they absolutely love, love Nut So Fast. It's almost like it's a kid's version of Jungle Speech, which I love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Jungle Speech is a game that they're going to have a difficult time. It's sure. definitely, if you're skilled at the game, you will demolish everyone. But with Not So Fast, it's definitely a lot more family friendly. It's it's great. And then uh, there's a one that's similar to that called Fun Farm from Yellow that they really like. And it's also one of the dexterity aspects. Okay. So, so dexterity games popular in that? Dexterity games, dice rolling games. Uh, there's also a mass market game that I was really surprised about. It was called, um, it's a Lion Guard Protect the Pride Lands game. So it's like a Disney property oh, game. Lion King? Yes, yeah, like the okay. Lion King. Um, and it is a fully cooperative game. And my youngest daughter absolutely loves that game. So yeah, so I got lots of kid, I got lots of kids games. Well, we get well, I have mine are a little older, uh, so I've got a couple teenagers in the house. Oh, and nice. So I mean, we still get we'll still get Happy Salmon. Oh yes, right? yeah. But we but we'll also play through some of the more complex games, mm -hmm. and you know they love that. Randy's got you definitely have the younger. Career. Yeah, my my I've got six kids. My oldest is eight, 
And so they are they are all close together, young. Um, I mean, king of Tokyo, dexterity games like uh, like Men at Work oh, yeah, or uh, Rhino Hero, those are very oh, popular. Yeah. That's another one, Rhino Hero. Yeah. My kids love that yep. one too. So, do you have a do you have a kids game? You, have, you don't have a kids game in your portfolio. Do you no, have like not a yet. Kids, kids game. So maybe maybe you'll see something like that uh, playing with the kids and, and yeah. enjoy. So that's awesome. I just I appreciate your time. No, my so, pleasure. Uh, we'll move on from here. And good luck with the rest of the time. All right, thank you. All right, we are back here at Origins Game Fair. We are back in the Plan B booth uh, talking with Mike Young, and we're going to talk about what's hot, what's going on, and uh, what's coming from them. So, Mike, thanks for joining us, sir. Hey, thanks, Isaac. Absolutely. So, what's, uh, what, what's been the hot thing? I know Century's been the hot thing for the last two years. How's it, how did it fare this year? Yeah, so um, I was pleasantly surprised. We opened the hall up uh, yesterday at 10, yep. and within 10, 15 minutes, we were triple looped around oh the gosh. booth. Like, last year was double, this year was triple. They sent out security. Um, I say with, with full, full humility, this was the booth to be at at Open. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So You guys are the booth to be at for the last two years, right? You're the only one with the line, only one that people are clamoring to at opening day. I'm, I'm too busy to check. I'll take your word for yes. it. <laughs> um, so, so Century New World hit. You got the game, you got the double playmat for Century. Right, right. So, so the playmat, it, it's exclusive to us, but we know how much so the fans really like those uh, aesthetic accessories that just kind of help add a little more immersion. So with the mixable games, we couldn't create a playmat that was feasible uh, in terms of size, so we decided to do two. So with that, you would get one that works with Century 3 and Century 1, right. but with Century 2 and the little map, you had to do a completely different one. So you're gonna get two in that box. Nice. And so, um, obviously you said, flew off the shelves, got into people's hands. Um, from a design perspective, we talked to Emerson a little bit ago about what he liked, uh, how he saw those working together. Um, from your perspective, right, getting to see them all, right, do you personally have a favorite century? You know, it's, it's really tough to say because um, they're all very different. Sure. And the, I love, worker placements, but the problem with worker placements, and that, that would be like New World, right. I can't really play those with my daughter or with my wife, who's just a very casual gamer, because sure. the stuff I like to play is a little little heftier, but right. uh, this is right in line with that kind of like Stone Age. It's very simple, easy to pick up, easy to learn worker placement, right. um, and one of the credits to Emerson's design process is that everything becomes really smooth and oh, yeah. distilled as, as purely as possible, and, right. and that you, you see that with this. It's it's simple. That's awesome. Um, so we're obviously we're, we're looking forward to getting a hold of that. My wife loves Century Spice Road. Eastern was okay. It wasn't her favorite, but she's not a big pickup and deliver fan. Right. But worker placement—that's a jam in our house. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah, how that I mean, works together. So you know, I, I'm not sure how much of a gamer she is or isn't. But what I, what I do like about this is that um, Eastern Wonders, I think, added a little too much complexity sure. to the, like, the normal consumer's mind. It's, there's a lot of decisions to make there. Uh, this kind of like makes those quick, rapid turns happen, but as well as um, still being a little meaty and still that, but but feeling like a gateway game. It's it's still just a two two page roll sheet. Great. You're in, you're out, and you're playing within five minutes. That's awesome. I know, we talked about that. I know he prides himself on that two-page sheet. I asked him if <laughs> he was he was going to have a 24 by 36 uh, 
page sheet. Just he said no, but the font it's got foldable. a little smaller. <laughs> I was like, well, that that works, that works. So, but no, I'm looking forward to, to getting that. And obviously, the people here were looking forward to getting a hold of that as well. So, yeah, like we are we are genuinely uh, pleased and very happy that the fans have come out and support us year after year. And I hope that we live up to expectations. This, this in my mind, is a good one. Yeah, and and we talked to him a little bit about this after uh, the interview, but. From a, a game perspective, I buy games and I buy the expansions because I like the game. What you guys did was unique in that you said, here's Star Wars Episode Four. now here's five, now here's six, right? It was different, but it was still in that same feel. Right, and, and, and that's what, I think that was what's cool because uh, series are almost always popular with fans, and if you do it right, people want to come back for more, right. and they're variations on a theme. Right. Uh, but then the really, like, really the, the cool part is the mixable portion. Now all of a sudden, instead of like buying three games, and maybe real estate isn't uh, as pricey at your house, but I only have so much closet right, space, right. I now have seven games in three boxes versus three games in three boxes. Right. Yeah, no, I love that. And they all feel very familiar. Right. Yeah, it gives you that, like you said, that feeling of familiarity. Um, so some other games I see around the table, uh, Men at Work, that's one uh, we had a hold of Randy to review on that. Uh, I think he ended up winning a copy of that. And he loves that, plays that one a ton with his kids. It's um, so good. Yeah, I was to say, I, I noticed we got a few people working over here behind us. Uh, what's been the, the feeling for that dexterity? Well, so, you know, I think there's this, uh, I, I think dexterity isn't always the, the most reputable uh, sure. of gamer games. You know, I like to play worker placements right. and heavy arrows, but there's something to be said about having a belly full of laughs and just having fun. Yeah. And this does it with a beautiful aesthetic and uh, just having uh, just a just a really cool ambiance with it. It's, oh, yeah. it's simple to learn, easy to pick up, uh, but still quite challenging. Right. So you still get the gamer experience with right. that dexterity. Yeah, that, I mean, we, we, we try to incorporate some elements of game in there rather than just flicking a disc. There's right. more to it than that, rather than just stacking. We want to put wrinkles in this game or in this genre so that uh, it scratches that gamer itch that we all have, but also still feels to casual and family and friends. Right. So speaking of that, we had a game right in front of us here. Is this, would you say that, that goes in that same line here? Right, so so Tukey is a, is a next move game. Now it's not dexterity, despite the fact that there is a little bit of balance in okay. elements, uh, but it's a puzzler game. And what you're doing is you roll a dice and based on that die result, you orient your card a certain way to then complete the structure based on how it looks. Okay. So if I have 200 cards in the box, that means I have a potential 600 puzzles. So wow. lots of variability in there. Uh, and then I take my colored pieces and assemble them as such. I have some white supporting blocks that are ice in the game that allow you to defy some of the gravity uh, that, that you would see in your in your orientation. Because sometimes you have floating blocks that have no means of supporting themselves. So. Great. But it's a, it's really clever and it's a real time game, so it's a, there's a speed and there's a race element to it. Very nice. Uh, but it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's a, it's a 20, 30 minute game. Perfect. That it's just, it's, it's fun. How many players this one? Uh, it, on it does two to four. Okay. And each one plays a slightly different at the player count. So. Got you. Another one that you've seen, obviously, you know, I get a few people playing over here. Fairly popular, quick pickup. It looks like, right? Like you said, it's a play it. And right. You, and so it's a table quick. So I mean, the, yeah, there's a six-page rule sheet with it, but uh, I can explain the minute, uh, explain the game in about a minute or two, and right. and we're up and moving. And That's awesome. you know, get this on your table is as simple as just dumping the box contents and then you get your cards into the deck. 
It's perfect. And I know uh, we talked a little bit, you got some other things coming down the pipeline. Uh, one in particular I'm really excited to check out here in a minute is ERA. Right? Yeah. So what, what's coming, uh, what, what is ERA bringing to the table and, and uh, when's that coming out? Right, so um, maybe you've heard of this genre, the roll and ride. It's somewhat popular this year. There's a few of them out here. Uh, <laughs> but Matt Leacock is one of the one of the you know uh, grandfathers of this genre. Yep. Uh, he did roll through the ages, which is one of my oh, yeah. still one of my favorites. It's a great game. Uh, we took a design of his and started spending some time on development, uh, and we wanted to create a roll and build something that where it's a, a little different than just doodling on a pad, you're actually constructing a city in front of you because we have about 120, 110 miniature pieces in here oh, wow. of different awesome. buildings, walls, cathedrals, farms, and as you roll your dice, because everyone has a unique dice pool, you're, you're managing resources to build more things, to acquire more dice, sure. uh, and to, to have the most prosperous city in the land. That's awesome. And, and so, the, the table presence yeah, it looks good. is oh, incredible. Yeah. Um, and so again, two, two to four player on the yes, list? Yeah, two to four player. And uh, actually, there is a solitary mode in there, too. Awesome. Uh, and expectation we'd be seeing that around? It's a Gen Con release, so okay. I, I think most people, if you're there at the show, you can pick it up. Um, it should be in retailers in a perfect world sometime in August. Okay, so sometime end of the summer you should be able to get, a, right. get your hands on that game. Uh, and then finally you mentioned you have a card game. Yeah, so uh, we decided to do something different with, with Next Move. Next Move is like our abstract line where you find Tuki and Azul and Reef. Sure. Uh, but we really wanted to do a really cool card game that we found. Uh, so we, we, we grabbed it and it's called 5211. The rules are on the title. You're gonna draw five cards, play two, play one, Play one, and the, the clever part of this game is that everyone's playing into a common tableau. You're trying to score points based on the suit or the color. Okay. Uh, and the highest majority, the largest majority of those, score based on the card value. Okay. The trick is, is that if you get too many of that particular color, you bust the suit. Gotcha. So it's a little bit of push your luck, sure. and a little bit of trying to second guess what your neighbor's doing and what you're attempting to do. Uh, it's it's super nice. fun and it's great to socialize over. My my wife again not a gamer, but this is an easy one we can teach her, her parents, my mom that we can pick up and play and and just you know snack on stuff and just catch up. And just go simple with it. How many players for that? Uh, that one's two to five. Two to five. Okay, and uh, like you said, a similar time frame release was. Yes, due out of Gen Con. Okay. This is a, a small box game, so it's uh, we're we're bringing in a ton. It's, sure. It's almost insta-buy status. It's so fun, it's really, really clever. It's quick play, and like yes. I said, it's a good social game. So one of the things we've noticed from, from our family perspective, especially Azul hits the table, you know, Sintra uh, hits the table, um, Century Spice Row, like these are high in our rotation. And so is it fair to say that kind of that, that, that spot you guys are trying to hit is that strong family game? The, right, so, so I mean, this is, this is a good chance to talk about our different imprints, right? So Plan B is like the mothership, it's, I'll say the mother, and then we have all these imprints, and the imprints all have their mother's good looks. Pretzel, <laughs> Next Move, Eggert Spiele. Great. Uh, they have mom's good looks, but they all have different personalities. So mom's pretty even-tempered, loves family, and loves to incorporate that. You have Pretzel, which is our dexterity game. That's your clumsy kid who just loves playing. You have Next Move, which is kind of like your 
you know, introspective, thoughtful, uh, abstract line. Sure. And then you have your Eggertspiele, which is like your medium weight Euro, so I always compare that to like your your kid who's doing really well in school, getting into AP classes, sure. bound for, you know, bound to be a master or a doctorate right. in some some sense. It's a kid doing their summer homework already. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so so there's just a little flavor in them. And, right. and I, I think the, the goal for each imprint is obviously we want to, you know, appeal to most families, but Plan B, uh, pretzel, next move. These are perfect for families. Yeah, the Eggerspiel is more like the connoisseur line, so that's going to be for your more, just slightly more experienced gamers or someone who wants a little more than a gateway game. But it still has that reflection of, like you said, of the mother, the Plan B type of thing, right? Like Coimbra is a great game. Coimbra is not a game I want to play with my younger kids or right. younger kids in general that might play as a war or something like that. But but I can still see I can still see the the, the, the polished look of it. I can still see some of the mechanics and how smooth that game is. Well, yeah, I mean precisely. I mean we're we're really fortunate to be working with good designers. Uh, Eggert Spiel uh, is our is our development studio, and they are. Uh, incredible. I mean, they 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 take good games and refine them to amazing games. That's awesome. And props to our art team. They do a pretty good job at, at making them beautiful and yeah. giving you the right feel, the right touch. That's perfect. Is all your art in house? Yeah. So That's Chris awesome. Williams. Uh, occasionally, we need to license art outside. Sure. It's, it, we're getting to that point where we need to get a second artist. But Chris does most of our covers. Uh, all of our graphic design is done in house. All the iconography is done in house. So I, I like this because this creates a little bit of consistency oh, yeah. between titles and, and imprints. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. So overall, Origins, have you have you been to Origins previously? This, this is my first time exhibiting here. Okay. And it's, uh, let me tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air because Gen Con just, it feels too busy. Sure. And, and while I enjoy Dice Tower Con, it's not busy enough. So this is kind of like Goldilocks. It's just right for me. I, I love this con. It's our seventh year being here. Um, just mostly as a as a fan, as a gamer, you know, switching to the media coverage the last few years. But I uh, went to PAX in the fall, and PAX felt like this, but like crunched together, so it felt mm. a little busier. I mean, it was it was a little more personal, but it was over that two day course. Where here, I mean, we've been here since Wednesday. We'll be here till Sunday. It's a little more casual. Right? Yeah, like, we yeah, we, we couldn't we couldn't have this conversation. I think at PAX, or we couldn't have this conversation at Gen Con without being bumped into or interrupted, right? right. So <laughs> especially yeah. in the gaming hall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, that's great. So food. So an origin specific question, food wise, you got something that you really enjoyed yet? Uh, you know, so I, this is so embarrassing. But I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Indianapolis, okay. and I moved down to Florida, uh, and I came back, and, I'm, and I just scoped out the food court. I haven't went to North Market. I know I need to go to North Market. I need to go to Melt, but. Uh, I saw uh, Donato's Pizza, oh, yeah. which I haven't ate in 20 years, and flipped my lid. <laughs> so, there's I, Midwest. <laughs> it's it's just so it's just good pizza. I have a good nostalgia about oh, yeah. it, but no, good uh, but but we went to a place called Nada, like a really yeah, cool yeah. Uh, Hispanic joint, yep. or I don't know, I'm not sure even how to how to define it, but it was incredible. So yeah, I've heard uh, good things. I haven't been there, but I highly recommend it. But but I need to make it over to North Market and check out yeah. some of the really cool stuff. North Market's good. I mean, the, the choices are great. We have a favorite place we always go to. It's down in Short North, kind of in the restaurant region. It's called the Eagle. It's they brine and fry their chicken in house, and wow. then it's just like sides for chicken. So like, dinner's on you tonight, right? Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> We've already been there once. So we may be going there again. So it's it's good stuff. But that's what I love. You know, the food choices are great. The yeah, you know, I, I talk about this being our adult nerd camp, right? Like we get yeah, some fun yeah. time. My son's here. He's off 
playing in an event. He's having a good time with his friends, and like we're still going to meet up and go do other stuff for the rest of the day. So that's awesome. It's, it's no, just that's, a good mix. Yeah, it's just a warm family vibe. Oh, yeah. No one's too pushy. I haven't really seen anyone too cranky. So. Yeah, no, it's a good it's, time. I love it. It's, it's actually a really good con. Perfect. Well, Mike, I appreciate the time as always, and uh, good luck the rest of the con here. Thanks. All right, we're here at Origins going through some interviews, some previews for y'all for some different game companies. We want to start here with our favorites over at WizKids. This is Isaac and Randy. We're going to be talking to Jessa today to talk about what's hot, what's new, what they've got going on at the con today. So Jessa, how's it going today? It's going great. Thank you. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. Exhausted a little bit and it's <laughs> only Thursday. Uh, so um, we're going to talk a little bit about what's what, kind of what's hot, what are you doing at the show, like what are people playing? Um, well, we're previewing a couple different games at the show this weekend. We've got Kibble Scuffle, which is a game where you feed your cats and the cat uh, the box is actually a cat food box that you can pour cubes out of, which is really cute. Um, we're previewing Palm Trees, which is a dexterity game that you guys have reviewed before yep. where you're holding cards and pretending to be a palm tree. Um, we have uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar, The Rise and Fall of Anvalor, which is a tactical co-op but not tower defense game. Okay. Um, and we have a few others as well. Ravnica Inquisition, which is a social deduction game set in the Magic the Gathering Ravnica Plane. So, and that one's really fun as well. And those are kind of the ones we're demoing, but we're also previewing a few upcoming releases that we're really excited about. Okay. Uh, I know Randy's has eye on one in particular. Randy, what uh, what title have you been kind of waiting on that's got your kaiju uh, beast in there? <laughs> yeah, as a, as a big-time kaiju and Godzilla fan, I've been looking at Smash City. Uh, looking forward to that one. What can you tell us about that? Well, Smash City released last week, and we have um, a demo of it up in the booth. Um, but Smash City is a dice rolling game where you are kaiju monsters trying to battle for dominance. And you are battling in the middle of a bustling city. So we have these three-dimensional cardboard buildings that you put together and you put on the board. And you're rolling giant foam dice to try and attack the other kaiju. But at the same time, uh, the result is you knocking over these buildings. And so you gain points for knocking over the buildings, you gain points for hitting the other kaiju, and each of the kaiju that you uh, that players can be are unique. So we have the Magmalodon, which is a shark. He's kind of like a lava shark. Uh, Kalobster, who is a man who melded with a lobster. Sure. So he's like an army man who's also a lobster. <laughs> um, we have the Toxiguana, which is an irradiated iguana. And the last one is the Giga Shogun, who is a robot samurai. That's fantastic. That's great. I love <laughs> so, those names. It's really fun. People love it. And we think it's a great time of year to be releasing it. Um, just because, you know, the new Godzilla movie just came out. Absolutely. And everyone loves kaiju. And dice rolling and knocking over buildings, who doesn't want to do that? Absolutely. It's no, so it's much awesome. fun. It's awesome. I'm um, hoping to get over there and get a chai, uh, get it, get some play in on that today. So um, so those are the big ones here. That's the releases that have, that have hit. Kind of what's what's the fall looking like? What do you guys have coming out in the, in the near future? We have a lot of really exciting games. So the one I'm the most excited for, and I'm making everyone crazy because I love this game so much, um, it's called Haka Ona. It is a hide-and-seek horror game. Um, it's based on Japanese horror. This was actually a game that came out in Japan and was a huge hit, but was never really brought to the United States. You could only really find one English translation of the rules. 
Um, so we kind of wanted to, we got the rights to bring it to the U.S. And we're really excited about it because it's super fun. It's an asymmetrical game where one player is the ghost girl haunting the house. And the rest of the, biller, the players are visitors trying to escape the house. Very nice. And um, so there are flip down tiles throughout the board and the ghost girl secretly moves across the tiles while players have their eyes closed um, and the visitors have to search through the tiles to get the supplies they need to escape the house but if they look at her tile she kills them and they join her team okay uh, but the coolest part about the game is that it's also partially a dexterity game so um, each turn before a player moves there is a tile with a little blip on it. It's like almost like a half of pearl. Okay. And you have to take discs and stack them on top of the blip. So on their turn, each player stacks one disc. Okay. And if at any point the disc tower collapses, the Hako Ona takes her turn immediately. And then the players have to start stacking again. Um, so it's really fun. It adds a dexterity element to yeah, it. We absolutely. do have cards in case players aren't comfortable with the dexterity sure. aspect. But um, it's really different. It's it's your noise tracker. So if you knock over the tower, you're making noise and alerting her to your location. I got that. So so it's a one versus many game yes. that very quickly becomes the opposite one versus many. But before you know it, it's yes. more people against. Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. Um, so that when is that due? When is that coming out? That's coming out in September. Okay. Um, we want to come out, obviously, in time for the Halloween season. Sure. It's Absolutely. a horror game what better time of year than Halloween, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so I, I know the one I've had my eye on that I'm like super excited about. I think it's, it kind of gets out of like some of the normal WizKids things is, is, flo is it Flotilla or flo Flotilla? I don't know how they're pronouncing it, but. Uh, it's Flotilla, but flotilla. I like to say Flotilla because it's like a tortilla. Same here. And I love burritos. <laughs> um, it is Flotilla. Um, so the theme behind Flotilla is that in the 1950s, the atomic test took out all of the land on Earth, and Earth has been completely overrun with water, and so humanity has rebuilt itself by building giant flotillas on the ocean, okay. um, and rebuilding society that way. Everyone in the game starts um, on one side, and that's called the Sinksiders. Sinksiders are the people who go out and they search um, and explore and collect supplies so that the flotilla, you know, so the guilds on the flotilla can buy them. Sure. Um, but at any point during the game, a player can choose to switch over to Skysider. You can't change back, it's permanent. But Skysiders um, are people who are responsible for building the flotilla. Okay. So they, um, they take the resources and they build out the flotilla. And each side of players are trying to gain influence in the game. Um, and so if you're, a Sky if you're the first person to change to Skysider, you are getting you have the most accessibility for influence because the market is flooded on sure. the Sinksider side. Um, and, but obviously, the more Skysiders there are, the more that market is flooded and the less right. influence players are going to gain. So if you're the last Sinksider, all of a sudden, you have all that power. Right. You're in control of everything. So it's really about finding the balance of, do you want to switch? When is the right time to switch? And it's a really beautiful game. Um, we have custom translucent dice that come with the game, and we have um, these custom boat meeples that are actually designed so that when you collect the resources in the game, you can put them on top of the boat meeples and haul them back to the flotilla. Very nice. And they are 
beautiful. Yeah, I know. I've seen the box art. I've seen some of the early production stuff. It looks amazing. Yeah. That is an Essen release, I believe, is what I'd heard, right? Is that the, uh, the the plan for that? Yes, that's an Essen release. Okay, so that one's obviously we're down line a little bit, but from uh, from an art perspective, it just looked gorgeous. And I know there's a lot of buzz starting about that game already, so I'm excited to see that. So, yes. um, you're in. So, so. Origins-wise, is this your first Origins? This is my first Origins. Uh, I was here with WizKids at Alliance Open House. It's not here, but yeah, I was at Alliance Open sure. House, and um, I've worked Gen Con with other companies in the past. So um, I'm definitely familiar with the show's aspect and with sure. kind of doing this, but it's my first Origins with WizKids. Awesome, awesome. I love this con. It's a fun con. It's it's big, but it's not crazy, and that's I think that's always my favorite thing. So. I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you, and good luck with the rest of the con. Great, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Absolutely. Uh, we'll move on and uh, go to the next one here in just a few minutes. All right, folks, we are here at the Cosmos booth talking with Jesus about what is going on here at Origins. So, Jesus, first off, how is Origins going for you so far? Uh, it's extremely busy, which is wonderful. Like, there's so many friendly people. It's, it's great to see all the gamers come together here, and we've got such good support from, from the audience. So, uh, for us, this is, like, kind of a big year for us. We're releasing a lot of, like, big things that normally it's like oh we have some pretty cool stuff that's coming out like this we have we have emotep duel that's slated for gen con um it should be out a little before gen con but we will have it at gen con and we're demoing that all all origins we have an actual production copy we have a close to production copy of roll for adventure and i say close because we have a german one that we doctored up so we can understand it um we have tribes that we're showing out and those are all games that will be out at Gen Con that we are showing here at Origins. Okay. Um, Tribes is a, if you think kind of engine building meets Civ building, but without like all the mud of like taking three hours to play a Civ game, like you can knock it out in like 45 minutes and it's got some really cool mechanics. Nice. Roll for Adventure is a really, really good, I think it's a really good family intro gamer. Uh, like adventure cooperative game so you're playing completely cooperative it's a dice chucker that you are dice allocation to boards to try to save from this like shadow monster thing and i've ran people through it so far this weekend i've had a few people beat the very beginner game so there's a nice challenge there people are surprised that cosmos having such a challenging game that's awesome um Emotep Duel is doing wonderful. We've had lots of good reception with that. It has that kind of almost like the Tarji like cross-grid mechanic where you are placing out workers to to unload these boats. And all of that stuff slated for uh, our Gen Con release. Our new adventure games are coming out, which which have been kind of, because we don't have them here, people are kind of mixed with them. They think it's like an adventure version of Exit, and it's not. It's like a completely separate thing. It's very story-driven, where you get to guide the story in your own way. So it's not a puzzle, like it's not a like, Exit the Adventure. It's like something completely different, which is which is really exciting. It's like kind of that like old storybook adventure games that you used to be able to play back in the day. 
those are coming out. We just, our Origins release is uh, Exit the Catacombs. Okay. Like the Catacombs of Horror. It's the first time, it's a big box. It's a two-parter that you can play in two sessions instead of just one. Nice. Um, there's a, in the middle of it, there's a clear, like, you can stop here and come back to it. Tom is the only one that was fortunate enough to play the entire thing, and he sat sat and did it in four hours, and he said that it was, he didn't want to stop, it was super immersive, the puzzles were great. The other thing that we're kind of warning the crowd, the Exit fans are a little fanatic where they keep wanting the challenge. It's also a four and a half, which is the hardest Exit game we've ever released. So it's, it's out there to kick your butt, like so. So, so be, be ready for that. Yeah, yeah, so be ready for that. I mean, Drop It is doing great. As always, we threw that out today, and it's, of course, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, that was that was our game of the, uh, that was my family game of the con last year. It was our family game of the year. It was, I recently, uh, it was on another podcast where we talked about what was your favorite family game from last year is like drop it everything else has got to raise up to that bar literally it, uh, i love it it was so like it's so strange seeing that because when we released that we were like okay this is a really cool game it's really fun we think it's going to do well and then it just like it exploded and everyone was just crazy about it because it's it's so at first glance it's so simple it, it's like it's such a simple concept and then when you start digging in you there's nothing funnier to me than seeing three grown men arguing and kneeling down to oh, yeah. see where that piece yeah. is and they're like it's not touching it's not touching and then i always get to burst their bubble because i walk up i'm like you're right that is a huge score if it wasn't touching a circle and it's a circle so you don't score and they're like oh we forgot that so no, I, I think that it's the bounce it's the and, and we talked about this too like it's the fact that young or old we're on the same level playing field yes like i have a little maybe skill of where i'm aiming but for the most part i've seen kids just drop and win yeah not really even oh i'm gonna drop on that but it bounced over and i beat you i started with my i started playing it with my six-year-old and it started where i would give him two joker tiles which allow you to just score even though you do horrible and i would take no joker tiles and it was a really close game he would beat me sometimes and then it would turn into like well well now you you only get one joker tile and now it's to the point where i'm like you, you don't need any joker tiles you're fine you're fine like I, I put the joker tiles in a bag and we don't play with them even if it's somebody's first time yeah, like, we're not gonna play with these I, you're gonna learn the hard way when i demo it <laughs> when we're demoing it at the convention i always tell people that if you're at a convention you're supposed to be semi-professional so you're not allowed to use them at the convention so you want to use them at home you can but yeah, not awesome. here yeah so, um, and then kind of wrap up where you're at. Uh, Origins is, is going to be wrapping up in a few days. What's the next? So you guys, Gen Con, is that your next big yeah, uh, presence? Yeah, Gen Con is the next big presence. We're, we're already, like, prepping for that and awesome. trying to get our demo team together. And that's, that's a big thing. If you want to try any of our games, we have a huge presence in that demo hall. And we have, like, an entire team we send that we make sure they know our games and you can come and... You know, ticketed or non-ticketed, we you know we, we try to accommodate as much as we can for everybody. So, so I appreciate the time and uh, good luck the rest of the con. Uh, thank you so much. Yep. 
All right, we're here on Saturday, uh, starting off the Origins Game Fair. We are over here in Hall A at one of the biggest competitive areas in the arena here is the WizKids area. We have competitive Dice Masters, Hero Clicks going on today, and we're here with Jimmy O'Brien to talk about what's going on in the Dice Master front. Jimmy, thanks for joining us today, sir. Hey, my pleasure. So uh, I guess the one of the best places to start is something that got left out of the fan appreciation presentation. Um, in WWE, we're gonna have a new uh, keyword, a new combat trick, uh, tag out. So you're gonna be able to prep a die with tag out after attackers and blockers are declared and give plus two attack and plus two defense to one of your other characters. So exciting in that you can remove someone who would be KO'd anyway, you can decide to not deal your opponent combat damage with somebody if you want them to maybe re-roll this energy next turn. Uh, somebody you can make them survive the, the interaction that they're going to have. Just a lot of flexibility, and your opponent's going to have to really figure what they're willing to let happen. And I think it's going to take a lot of getting used to for both sides of the match there, as far as what's, what's the right move with tag out. Um, we're going to have a global that's like going to give people tag out, just like how we did with um, range and the, the orcs are giving that out. So uh, WD is going to be very exciting. It's going to have a different in-game feel in the way that Dungeons & Dragons does, but I think it's going to do it with less uh, in-universe keywords. So you're going to see more of Overcrush and Deadly and Immortal and things like that. So it's we're, we're very excited about WWE. A lot of the, the global abilities you've seen in older sets are going to be coming back. We're going to get the Ripponish Chalkboard Global on Becky Lynch. Uh, we're going to get some plus attack globals. We're going to get the Vibranium Shield Damage Prevention Global back. Um, really just rich, rich feel. It's going to be campaign box. Yeah, cam campaign box plus two team packs. Two team packs. Yep. Okay. Do we know who... I, I, have we talked about that? Do we know who the team packs are? Like the the team is? packs are going to be bitter rivals and tag teams. So okay. in tag teams, you're going to have the New Day, you're going to have the Rock and Sock Connection, and you're going to have um, NWO. Nice. So... Yeah. All, all photo, it looks like, from what we saw. Yeah, so it's, um, they were really great about providing the photos because we just have a need that's different from a lot of the other licenses. You know, the, the image of the rock that you want to put on a t-shirt and the one you want to put on a trading card are not the same. They have kind of that suite of images ready to go for everybody, um, and we just needed something different, and they were able to provide it, and it's awesome. I saw the rock one yesterday. It looks awesome. Yeah, no. That's the rock I want to see on a, a card. Not just his face, right? But yeah, like, yeah. You don't just need his face. Like, you don't want something like a, a studio shot that doesn't have right. a background. You want him in the ring. You want the action shots. It's, it's you want, shot. you know, when the crowd is going crazy for the for these superstars. Yeah. Uh, so, I was looking online in the Facebook groups, and it seems like a lot of people are already kind of excited for one of my personal favorite wrestlers, and that's Asuka. Yeah, Asuka is really wonderful. Um, I think she's, it's exciting that she's both such a uh, young wrestler, relatively uh, new, but also that she's like so in tune with what the fans love. Um, and then that she just grew up liking all the same things that we do. Uh, the fact she's going to give a discount to masked characters and then kind of turn into a beatdown uh, piece as you're feeling them. It's really exciting. Yeah. It's, a different, it's a different feel for Dice Masters, and I think that's always neat that, you know, um, Bard didn't feel like Gabi, you know, the, the new things that were coming out, like uh, Lantern Ring's not quite like Zarina, and so now Asuka might be her own competitive team at some point, which is really cool. Yeah. What's well, that progression, right? A tune didn't feel like this stuff from before. Range yeah. doesn't feel like anything. 
that we played. Yeah. Right? And so the like the game has that continued evolution, right? It's, yeah. It's it's a continu- It's not just a continued evolution. It's also that there's competitive spaces for a lot of these things. There's just there's a lot of cards and abilities and dice, and the interactions are run pretty deep. Uh, do you have a favorite favorite wrestler that you're excited to see in the set? Um, I don't. It's it's like tough to pick a favorite, right? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited for Asuka. Um, I I had played some other you know WWE games growing up, and to see those same characters come along is exciting. Um, I think Bobby Heenan is a cool addition. Okay. Uh, and he's very much a a low cost support character who's. Re- you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see teaming him up with The Rock or The Hulk and, and getting a really competitive team out of, uh, out of Bobby Heenan. Okay. Well, what, what set is he going to be in? Is he gonna be in? Bobby Heenan's in the campaign box. In the regular campaign yeah. box. Right? That, yeah. That's fantastic. That's, that's one of the deeper cuts from the WWE history that uh, a lot of people might remember from their childhood but isn't one of the first names yeah. to think of. And, I mean, part of it, too, is um, we, we have some really deep WWE fans in the office, and they're able to kind of let us know, not just like, oh, here's who they talk about on the show uh, uh, on Raw and SmackDown today, Here's who's uh, on Raw and SmackDown today, but it's also, oh, when they do the DVD specials, you know, who are they highlighting? Who are they making sure they mention? And, yeah. you know, Bobby Heenan is one of those classics yeah. that um, he's, he's right up there with Gorilla Monsoon and, and Andre the Giant and some other people we're not going to get quite yet, but cross, crossing our fingers to hopefully do soon. That's fantastic. That's great to hear. Curiosity, will we get a, uh, a ring playmat, something raised on the sides, <laughs> um, something crazy? We've, we've gotten some different requests as far as the playmat and stuff, and it's, it's kind of to be determined, right? So we awesome. we want to announce as much as we can of fan appreciation to all you guys a lot of stuff. But um, kind, kind of like you mentioned with the Kryptonite Crisis stuff for Superman, we don't have it figured out yet, but like just the, the seed of the idea is really, really cool, and we've got our fingers crossed that it it comes out uh, in, in a way that better than what we've even imagined yet. Sure. So talking about Kryptonite Crisis, I saw we saw obviously from the fan event said here you know here's what the fans wanted. Um, yeah. So what so what is that? I kind of heard a couple different things. Campaign box versus draft packs. What what what's that going to look like? So if you're someone who hasn't played Dice Masters before and you decide you want to play Dice Masters, there's a ton of product that you can get started with. There's all these starter sets. There's all these campaign boxes, and even. Um, if after the next rotation we might do for modern, there's still going to be a ton of different options, whether it's the quantity of things or the different IPs. Right. And so, with that in mind, um, we're not under any kind of intense pressure to go put that starter content into 2020 uh, as the the first and foremost thing. Sure. If you know, if you have someone to teach you how to play. They probably have a spare rule book. They've got a set of sidekick dice. You can get a dice bag anywhere. Right. And one draft pack. And you have something that functions as a team. It's, right. it's not going to be the best team, but it, it'll, it'll get you there. And then, um, you know, a few more draft packs in, you're going to have duplicates on those dice and so on. Uh, so it's, there's just enough options for people that we were able to go, like, all in on the draft packs. Um, it, it also kind of is, I think, a good reminder for some retailers that when they see the people playing in their store, like, it, clues, it reminds them, hey, this is what's, uh, 
like scene play, this is what's popular, versus like, I think we've got a lot of kitchen table players right now. Sure. That um, people are going out getting the campaign boxes, playing with their friends and family. They don't need to go to a game store for that. And then I think some game stores, it's changed their ordering habits, and then it changes how their customers buy things. We're putting it in, in the store, it gets, and also just, it's nice, people ask questions, oh, what's that? Like Dice Masters has a really different table feel than a trading card game sure. where, uh, you know, the, the bag management, the rolling of the dice. So really um, excited to see what 2020 brings. So as campaign packs are going, or I'm sorry, the draft packs will be in the same set as a campaign, or they're going to be no. a so, set that's just draft packs? Right now the plan is for it to just be draft packs. Okay. So um, Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, Superman Kryptonite Crisis, and Dark Phoenix Saga. The plan right now is just the just draft packs. Draft packs. Okay. Um, we've, we've also been kind of looking at, well, now that we know these things are coming, uh, the tournament prizing is also easier to make exciting because it's not just, here's this card you already have with Alt Art. It's, oh, here's this card that's hard to chase down. Now we can kind of um, look into doing prizes more like what we saw last year. Sure. Yeah, so... So that there will be rarity in the draft packs. There will be rarity in the draft packs. There's going to be an extra um, basic action card in each of the draft packs. Okay. So it kind of, kind of makes the, the drafting experience a little bit more meaningful um, without having to do a lot of management on the dice and the cards and collation. Sure. Uh, there's going to be more different... Uh, basic actions that we've seen in a draft set before. There's going to be 16, I think there used to be 10 or 12. I think there's 12, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, you, if, again, if you open up an entire uh, uh, display of the draft packs, you're going to get roughly the same distribution of completion for the basic actions. You're just getting more of them, so it's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice thing. Um, trying, trying to think what... Oh, all the cards are going to be full art. That's... Oh, wow. Okay. So, I heard somebody say that. So everything is going to be full so art. So every, every single card you open is going to be full art out of these draft packs. Wow. Um, we've got access to just incredible art from Marvel and DC. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So let's make the most of it. That's awesome. Um, it, it helps kind of add some visual wow so that it, there's not just a comparison. Oh, well, you know, I could just go get cards out of a campaign box or right. something. Uh, we also announced that there's going to be um, a premium rarity of select basic action cards that are going to be textless. So they're going to be cards like Big Entrance that if you've played Dice Masters for six months, you, you've seen it. You know what it does. Um, not necessarily like super simple effects, but things that are like easy to, to get a grip on and remember. And just full full art splash, cost, name, legal text, and that's... No, are those going to be like an increased rarity? Yeah, so those are okay. going to be an increased rarity. Um, kind of twofold there because we don't need somebody who's brand new to open it up and say wait what's this like did they forget to put the rest of the card right. but somebody who is an, you know an entrenched player who's going to open a lot of draft packs whether to draft or to, to build the set for them, their collection those players are going to know what they're looking at they're going to be excited about it uh, if that new person opens up in front of those other people someone's going to fill them in pretty quick but, yeah yeah so, and, and the campaign boxes will continue, just this will be, this is the... the yeah, and so it's, like this year we saw a lot of campaign boxes. Right. Next year we're not going to see as many, but exactly what number that means, sure. we haven't determined yet. Sure, but we'll get some of some of both of those worlds basically available. Yeah, it, it seems, seems like that could be the case. Awesome. Cool. Um, and and kind of to speak to what's going on here, obviously... We saw a competitive league nationals. You have 27 people, so you great turnout. It's been, yeah. I mean, that's an average year year turnout for nationals. Yeah, yeah. So this is, this is uh, we're happy with the turnout for nationals. 
Um, we're, we're happy with the diversity of the teams. Oh, yeah. I, I, I threw a list on Facebook earlier. It's it's almost like too many to like do off from memory. <laughs> but there's like there's Awaken, there's Green Lantern, there's Dragons. Um, there's there's X Men themed teams. Everybody didn't yeah. bring the same team. Right, and so that's that's exciting. And I think there's after a big event like this, you kind of have like that learning curve where like everybody focuses around right. some of the decks that did the best. But I also think that means that counters to those decks are going to emerge that people might not have been play testing going into this. So for World Championships in Memphis, uh, we're gonna we're gonna see another shakeup, I bet. And so that's the next big event for uh, for the competitive scene, right? World Championships. Yeah, and Memphis so can't can't say a ton about sure. what our exact plans are. But they're they're really exciting. I, I think um, if if you're kind of somebody who's like on the gamer circuit, that you do Origins, you do Gen Con, you nice. do maybe even like the Simon event that they, right. they had or whatever. Um, Memphis is not some place that you really had to go, right. and so it, it's a nice change of pace. It's a nice go go do some sightseeing oh, yeah. and, and stuff like that. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so and we talked with Jessa about board games. I know you get to. I'm sure get to play some of those, get to yeah. get your hand on. What's your favorite you know, thing WizKids is putting out right now, board game wise? Um, so, I, I I don't I I don't know how to pick a favorite. The sure. The, the, the game, the, sure. Both, so the, the game, the the all time game that I play with my friends, I bring it with me when we go on trips. You name it, is Yummy World. It's it's in my bag uh, back at the hotel right now. As far as the new stuff coming out. I was really excited for uh, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Rise and Fall Anvilor. Um, that was you play it the first time and you're like, I can't believe these, the, you know, these enemies just ran us over like that so bad. <laughs> and then you play the second time, and you're like, oh, like I've got this, and like it just feels so good to have that like big learning gap. And um, there's a lot of positioning. There's a lot of like planning for ambiguity. Um, the the, the attention to detail on like the tile cuts feels really good. Like they, they, they look good. It doesn't look like another game you're gonna have on your shelf. Um, the other, so I, I think that came out about a month ago. So it's kind of in out there. As far as the upcoming stuff, um, I think I think it's a tough call between Raptic Inquisition, uh, which which is the social deduction game, right. and. Uh, Hakona. So yeah, I, right. I, I didn't get to play Hakona yet. I watched some of my coworkers play it so they kind of would know for the demos here yeah. and to talk about for marketing and stuff. And it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Ravage Inquisition, it's five to ten players. I don't know that I, already, I always have five people. Right. And so like that's, that's kind of like, ooh, like, I might need to like, make sure we get a group together and try it out. Hakona, Justin was crazy excited about that. She yes. loves that game. Yeah. Um, and like... <laughs> And, but that's the thing, right? That like sometimes you just like you get that game that comes along, and like somebody is just like completely oh, lit yeah. up about it. And like it's really exciting for us. Um, as a result of Zev being around, we've gotten to partner with a lot of uh, different other game companies through translations. And you know, sometimes they're translating our stuff and, and publishing it there. Sometimes it's the other way around. And so um, we're hoping that Hakuna can end up going to a, a much bigger audience because we got to interact with it. Yeah, I told Seb yesterday when we talked to him, I said, I, I, I said you get to have a wide variety of stuff, but I said our favorite right now, and like everyone, we were playing it out here the other night, is Palm Trees. I said it seems oh, like such yeah. an unassuming game, and then everybody is like hand cramping and screaming, pick up a card, I need to hurry up, I'm going to drop this yeah. card. Like I like that kind of stuff, right? It's simple, it's fun. Oh, but like what you're saying is like, oh, like my hand's cramping, because like there's that physicality to right. it. Um, there's the... The one like Cthulhu game was it? That was like it had like the big like um, 
mat, rubber mats came out last year. Um, oh, I'm drawing. Yeah, dexterity but, but yeah, so it's a dexterity thing. But it's you're gonna have one person reading off positions to somebody else. They're trying to put their hands and feet on oh, the different I do places. Remember that one. Yeah, I and, know what it's called. Uh, oh, I'm trying to twist Yeah, so when yeah when we when we're releasing like a dozen to eighteen board games a year, like it's just the, the names get tough. But um, that that one was was the one where it's like somebody's trying to figure out the strategy, like where do I send somebody's like, body parts to make it work? And the person is like, you need to pick, you need to pick. Like I'm I'm gonna fall on the ground. What was the unspoken word? Um, was it unspoken something? Yeah, I remember seeing them demoing it out. I think they yeah. have a larger version of it out there that people were... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's awesome. So, obviously, Origins is a con you, that you're very familiar with. Right? Yeah, we... we yeah, I, I love Origins. I, I came to Origins before I was even, like, a WizKids person, so it's, it's just nice to be back. Um, I like Columbus, Ohio. It's a good place. It's been a fun con. It's, it definitely has a... Every year, I feel like it's constantly has a different vibe to it. Yeah, this yeah. seems a little more laid back than what I've experienced in the past. So, still a lot of people still hopping. Yeah, but. I mean, well, it, Origins is like such a pleasure to work with because they're they usually for exhibitors. It's like, yeah, we'll try something out with a few people, and right. if it goes really well, we'll make sure we do like the awesome thing for everybody. And it it's just always nice to have a business partner who wants to do better. That's yeah, perfect, Jimmy. Thanks for your time. Hey, Appreciate my pleasure, it. guys. Take care. All right. All right, we are here on Origins Game Fair Friday morning, and we are starting off strong here at the OP booth here, uh, USAopoly, talking with Ross about what's going on with them. Ross, how's it going, sir? It's going really, really well. It's been a good Origins. It's been a lot of fun. We've got a lot of cool games we're showing off. Perfect. So what's what's new here at the con for you guys? So uh, we're, so our, for, our first time that we're selling Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts. Okay. So if you've played Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, oh, yeah. um, so this is a, it's a head-to-head -head competitive game. Okay. So it's a two-player game where you're playing as generic students from, from your house, okay. and then you're building up your deck, you're buying new spells, you have hexes that you can put in people's decks, you can, you can uh, remove cards out of your deck, and so it's a best out of three dueling club that's sort awesome. of. Um, so that's only two player? Only two player. That just premiering here? That, the first time it's the first time we've had it showing off, and the first time we have it available to buy, too. Awesome. It's awesome. pretty cool. Uh, what, else, what else is new? So also we've got our diehard Nagatomi Heist game, okay. which we have that here. So that game's going to be available at Gen Con, but we're showing it off here at the show. Okay. And so that's a one versus many, so it's John McClane versus the Thieves. And so it's a three-act game as you play through each of the cinematic moments in the movie. Okay. And so John's got to save hostages and get, get some shoes and get all these different things. Awesome. And at the, at the same time, the Thieves are trying to stop him while also uh, unlock the, uh, the safe. Okay. And so they've got cards they're playing that are used to unlock all those different things. As they unlock more, they're, they're rocking away. So John's got to stop them before they can do all that. So how many players? So you can have up to four in that game. Up to four, okay. Very yeah. nice, very nice. And so you're demoing that? We are demoing Gen it. release? Yeah, yeah. We're demoing it here, Gen Con release, which is super cool as well. What's the, the feedback so far? Have you got some, it has been hot. Some good Man, everyone is super excited to play. The whole time, all the demos, everyone's doing quotes. Oh, that's right? awesome. Right? So it's been pretty... <laughs> and, 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 the, and the game is very... It's, it's all red and green. Oh, and, and all the excellent. art is very cinematic. So in the board, each act, the board changes and pulls out. So act one is one part of the board. Act two folds oh, out. Very nice. And then act three folds out again. So it's it's got a really cool feel to it. That's awesome. Um, we're also showing off uh, Dungeon Academy. Okay. It's going to be available later in August. 
So that's our. It's a one to six player game. It's it's a roll and write. Okay. Where you're uh, you're moving through the dungeon and racing through. You're uh, on the on the little dice board. You're going to have different little bit, bad guys you can kill. It's it's a lot of fun and cute. Uh, it's for about ten, ten, ten and up. Okay. So we've had a lot of good success with that. It's been pretty cool. It looks good. It's four player. Uh, six player. Up to six. Okay, yeah. Very nice. It's pretty. So, not not a specific IP you've used for. No, 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 it's, the name sounds familiar. Uh, it's, it's, it's not. So, so we, we've just partnered up, up with Batago, and okay. we're going to do a release. For, it's its own IP, its own little world. Okay. Very, very fun. It, it's a cool dungeon run, light, uh, roll and write. Yeah, I love the art. That looks really good. Yeah. And then also, we just announced our Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures deck building game. So I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. So saw the picture. It was enough. So hanging out with the guy yesterday at the Toy Story uh, phone case. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I heard about this game. We're going tomorrow. I'll see what I can find out. So, so what's coming from that? So it's a five-player game. So Harry Potter Hogwarts Battles 4. So we've added in a fifth player into this one. Okay. Uh, and you're playing through the four animated movies and the two shorts. Oh, wow. So, wow. I mean, so it's got a full Toy Story adventure in there. Um, and, and you're working through all the obstacles that you have as toys to get through, and you got to solve... Uh, all these issues they've got going on, and the game is great. So that if you know Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, it's oh, yeah. a very, very similar engine. Okay. Um, and, and, but you're, we've added a lot more stuff to it, though, and then also made it more family friendly. Okay. So, so um, it is building on itself. It's the same kind of thing. Each, each each story builds into it, resets time. every time. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's it's a blast, uh, and it's I've, we found that it, it's been really good for kids. Uh, it's been super fun. It, it's a good another like way to get into that. But at the same time, when you get to those higher games, oh, yeah. it really revs up, and you gotta like you really gotta work together and make sure that you can solve the problem. So. And you also had from that IP, you putting out a like a nice looking chess set. Look like. Oh yes, and we're also putting out a, a Toy Story chess set. Yeah, and that looked great. And too. it's all full color. It's all full big pieces, which yeah, is super awesome. good. And that's got characters from all four movies. So, which is just, awesome. Yeah, it, it's great. So anything else on the horizon? Uh, so uh, we did just announce that we're doing uh, Star Wars Dark Side Rising. Okay. Um, so that's going to be a UK and EU only, like EMEA. Okay. So, sure, sure. yeah, but we are doing a Star Wars Rising. It'll be based on the Thanos Rising engine with Star Wars and stuff Vader like that. Vader's in the middle. And uh, that's going to be super cool. Uh, we also have our, our Evil It Below. Okay. game that we're showing oh, yeah. up here at the show so it, it's, it's based on the first it movie okay. and uh, it, it's, it's a co-op game where you're trying to essentially ask the kids uh, save you from being taken from Pennywise okay. um, it's got a very uh, push your luck and jump scare kind of uh, mechanics to it so if we were playing yesterday and I'm like oh cool we got it we got it we're good to go and then all of a sudden one bad turn Led to Pennywise rolling in, getting us all super hurt, and I'm like, ah, and then we totally lost. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. <laughs> so maybe for the, the older kid families. 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but it's, 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 it's got good colors, but obviously it's, it's a little, uh, you know, IP skewed. Um, party wise, Blank Slate's going to be rolling into regular release. Okay. Uh, in August, so game stores are going to be able to carry that very that soon. Was a Target? There was a Target exclusive, exclusive but that'll be coming into, into regular stores now, which is going to be super awesome. Um, and then that's about it, I think, for things that we've... Oh, oh, we have Astro Trash, which uh, isn't out right now, but that's... Oh, my gosh. Astro Trash. So it's a game where you are trying to clear all the garbage, space garbage, off your planet. And you, it, it's these big, hunky plastic pieces, and, and they're nice, and they're shiny. And it's a, it's a, you've got three dice, one that says uh, if you can go right, left, or wherever, and then you've got another one that has the garbage pieces, and then the third one that has how many, one, one through three. So you're all 
simultaneously rolling okay. to put stuff off your planets and on every, as fast as you can. As fast as you can. Okay. And you're gonna be the first person to have a clean planet. Okay. This is real time speed. Real time speed game, and uh, that is totally for kids. But at the same time, it's for big kids too. Oh yeah. That's we, we, awesome. we were playing it at, at some trade shows where it's all retailers. That was the game of the show. Like awesome. we we had combined, so it's a it's a three to five player game. We had combined uh, two of them for like a big ten player game. We were playing for hours, so it was just fantastic. And that's space trash. Is yeah, that? so Astro trash. Astro trash, and that's yeah. due when? Uh, that'll be out in about two, three weeks, I think. So it should be okay, June, so July. Con. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have it at Gen Con. Okay. And uh, that'll be good to go. Perfect. That's awesome. So con wise, how's your origins been? So origins has been really good. I had a little bit of a of a problem getting here, oh. but uh, it's all good. But I'm here now. But you're here. And so have you uh, been here to origins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. totally have. Orders has been one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I love it. It's it's laid back. Yeah. Everyone, you have time to talk right. and catch up and play games. You're move not moving the halls. Hundred yeah, yeah, hundred percent right. And so like from San Diego, like, we have Comic Con. Oh yeah. Right. It's a and it goes from Comic Con all the way right to the Gen Con. So your body's just not ready for That's the. It's a lot of con. It, <laughs> it's a lot of people, right? So Origins is nice and laid back. Everybody that wants to be here is here. Oh yeah. You know, and, and it's just good. So we're doing great. And the, and for the op, like we're celebrating our 25 years as a company this year. Um, and so it's really cool to be able to come here, celebrate and kind of show off all the games we've been doing in the last three years, like in particular for, for us. Oh yeah. Once Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle and Dano's Rising. It's been flying since. It's been, it's been really cool. Yeah. And so Die Hard and It are both like our own engines that we've built in house. That's awesome. Um, and they're both getting really good reception. So, and then we have Court of the Dead being demoed oh, yeah. right now as well. Absolutely. Not, not his family. It's a beautiful game. Though. They'd be very, very pretty. Yeah, yeah, which has been fantastic. So, so you're uh, you're kind of streaming towards those in-house engine built games. We we like doing that, right? So awesome. we, we definitely do take a lot of outside inventor sure. games and, and look at those and stuff like that. But we've got a really good team right now that's just rocking it that's and awesome. making good games. We've been hiring a whole bunch lately. We just, we just moved to a new uh, building about eight months ago. It's like awesome. right on the water. Uh, which is just Wait, fancy. So, you guys are? So, so we're in we're in San Diego, but we're in we're in Carlsbad. Okay, so just outside. San yeah, Diego. that's awesome. And uh, it's we're like, like a minute from the beach, so you, so you, you leave the door and you're like, is it ocean air? It's super awesome. We got in and out in the same parking lot next door, right? So oh, that's awesome. But it's it's been really good, and we can bring on a lot of really good people. Yeah. And everyone's passionate about making games and making it happen. That's so perfect. can't ask for much more, you know. That's awesome. Ross, appreciate the time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Move on here, guys, and be back in just a few. Have a great show. Thank you. All right, we're back. We are in the 500 row, I think. Yeah, we're booth 558 with Midwinter Mages talking about uh, a new release that's coming up. So, uh, guys, how's it going? Can I introduce yourselves and, and what you're bringing to the table here? Hi. Hello, everyone. My name is uh, Ryan Hall, and I am the co-designer of Paragon Trials of the Chosen. My name is Adam Testerman. I'm the other co-designer. Yeah, so uh, we are uh, introducing a new expandable card game, Paragon Trials of the Chosen, where you play a demigod, a paragon, who is uh, locked in an eternal struggle with the other paragons. And so in order to battle one another, you select two avatars, two characters that you bring to the game, a 20-card uh, deck that actually has no shuffling. In fact, uh, one of the hallmarks of Paragon is that uh, we have no randomness at all in the game. You'll never find a dice roll. You'll never find a coin flip. We have a unique turn ordering system that works much different than a lot of uh, expandable card games or collectible card games. So rather than uh, kind of going on a turn and emptying your hand, it's an alternating system that really emphasizes timing becomes important. 
And then we have a 16 uh, uh, character cast of avatars from eight disciplines, including uh, things like chivalry, demonology, um, chronomancy, pyromancy, shadow. So you really have a lot of deck building customization options. You can really kind of express your character with your uh, character choices. Tell me a little about how you guys got to, like, how did, how did this get to here? Like, what started <laughs> your idea to say, we want to make a game? You know, that's great. I mean, we were, we're amazed that we're actually sitting here now because uh, almost three years ago, I had been working on a card game, and it was, it was kind of a mess. You know, it was huge, and everyone, it, you equipped equipment, and it was all slow and, and not enough interaction. And, uh, you know, Adam and I had became, had became friends through a mutual friend, and we were at a, another convention, and I had brought just some part of it and said, hey, we should play this game, and we're just sitting in the hotel room. And there was enough, of a, enough good stuff in that one that over the course of two and a half years, we've really developed this one, worked with some great artists and uh, an amazing designer. So yeah, we're, we could not be more excited uh, about what we have here. Yeah, the art's amazing. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So is this, like we're multiple artists, right? Because I'm noticing some different styles. Right, um, exactly, yeah. Yep. We're, we're, what, what drove the art choices, artist choices for you guys? Uh, essentially, we just tried to find as many uh, online art repositories and tried to reach out to artists directly uh, and find uh, portfolios with pieces that we really liked and ask them, hey, can you sell this to us or sell uh, or, or even commission some for us and manage to find some good stuff. I mean, some of this is like game map quality, like stuff I would <laughs> yeah. be looking at all day while playing. We really appreciate that, yeah. I, we have to actually give credit to Matt Forsyth. So he kind of set the tone. He was an early artist we contacted. He, he did both of these posters behind us, Silith and Rendar, two of our characters. And he, he set the tone, and then every other artist we've looked for, we kind of looked to, to match his quality and, and yeah, kind of his style. Him, he set the bar for you guys. Exactly. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and we've been really lucky to find some great people. I mean, that's the thing. The artists are always so great to work with, and our designer, she really is. Ste Stephanie Gustafson, she is amazing. Can't recommend her enough. That's awesome. So what's the plan for Paragon? When are we going to see it? How are we going to see it? That's great. Yeah, so we are planning on demoing again in August at Gen Con. Okay. And then uh, I think we're looking at shortly before or shortly after Gen Con uh, going live with the Kickstarter. Okay. So just prior to Gen Con or just after, but sometime early to mid-August, yeah, we'll be on Kickstarter. And of course, we have a Facebook and Twitter uh, page with Midwinter Mages and Paragon. Okay. So uh, we'd love to have some support, yeah. It's kind of an interesting decision, right? Do you do it before? You're building a hype, but then you have to manage the Kickstarter while you're checking. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so that's, we we've had that's a lot of conversations about you know is everyone going to spend their gaming dollars at Gen Con? So do you get them before, or are they really hyped for games and they're spending all of their money on games? So yeah, it's a real tough question. Yeah. So uh, I know you, you mentioned this wasn't a collectible game. What, what was it you defined it as? Uh, an expandable card game. Okay. So so it's going. So you see, obviously. Yeah, we're hoping so. So, yeah, 272 cards in the main deck, which includes the 16 avatars. So you have you have 256 cards to to brew and build with. That's 20 card decks, uh, and so you're talking about hundreds of options just yeah. in the starter deck. Uh, our starter box will have, and then yeah, we're hoping we've already got some ideas for some other disciplines that we would add in later if uh, if it's popular enough to expand, and we really hope so. So I I got to demo this game the other day. Um, one thing I really liked is the fast-paced nature of just the players taking actions back and forth, and uh, like you said, instead of kind of emptying your hand and then letting the other player go. Um, 
And I think that that's really unique and sets itself apart from you know some other collectible or living card game type uh, type games like this. And and what can you tell us about that that fast paced uh, gameplay? Yeah, we obviously you know I mentioned earlier we kind of started with kind of a bloated project and then we've really trimmed this thing down to where you can take one good round and learn the game and then you can really start understanding the game quickly and the plays because I'm taking one action and you're taking one action there's no real analysis paralysis that sets in I'm always thinking about my next turn and so um, yeah I think that if, if you are especially if you're familiar with expandable card games or collectible card games you like to play those kind of games this is almost instantly recognizable but in an entirely different kind of package and so uh, it's got enough of what you'll find familiar and a whole lot of what you'll find different to be able to play it uh, extremely quickly. Awesome. Another thing we like to do is compare the game a little bit to chess, like especially when we talk about the turn se sequence because it is just one action and it's the other player's turn, so it's back and forth like that on top of the no luck thing, so it's all strategy. Yes. Yep. Uh, when it kicks, we'll uh, show how I do. So thanks. Have a good rest of the time, guys. Okay, appreciate Thank it. You.